1: So cares about what people think about us.
0: Yeah, I like the ball, like football season, and all the things that go with it.
1: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We are here bright and early on a Monday morning. Appreciate everybody who tunes in live or uh, tunes in later. We appreciate all of you. But we're live here on YouTube. We're going through all of the Week 7 NFL action. And not going to lie, Sam, it wasn't great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Way to sell it, Steve. Okay, so
1: stick around. We're going to talk about all of it for at least two hours. Maybe we'll get out of here a little bit earlier because the action wasn't as good. Okay. But uh, we learned some things. There are some big, there are some big stories coming out, out of Week 7. But the actual competitive football was, was a little lacking here in Week 7 so
0: far. Week 7 review, bad football was played. See ya. Yeah. Talk Wednesday. Yeah, I'm just saying, it might be an easier day for us. Okay. get in, get out. You know what the, the greatest th- thing we ever did? What's that? We got this table, which means I can wear sweatpants and nobody knows. Yeah, nobody nobody knows.
1: It's good, nobody right? Has, nobody has any idea. I know what you're wearing for pants. now, which is great. Yeah, you can just hide the
0: legs. Keep I could be it in between jeans. us. Could be in jeans, like like you know normal.
1: Yeah, this is the best thing we've done. Not gonna lie. It's Team sweats right? over here too. Yeah, yeah. Then we just roll right into the Monday after the show. It's it's just beautiful. Yeah, like just roll right out of bed. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, you might be wearing sweatpants too at home, just uh, relaxing watching us and uh, let 's we, we do sure i 'm not sure
0: that's i 'm not sure that 's a thread you want to pick at you know what people are wearing at home whilst yeah let 's cut that let 's cut that too because we 're
1: live. We could do that type of thing. Uh, we do need uh, to go through all of we 'll go through all of the games, but it's, I feel like it 's more of a higher level <laughs> Where our teams going. Let's look at the
0: You want the, to break down the fifty-four-thirteen Patriots win over the Jets in yeah, detail.
1: We'll touch on each game, but it's just it's all the takeaways, man. It's all the takeaways that come out of that. The Panthers stink. The the chat's already Panthers <laughs> stink. The chat's already bumping right now. Okay. You know. Uh, David Thorner five says the Panthers stink. Um, just to start with this, I had so the Panthers they lose, obviously. They bench Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, PJ Walker comes in. Uh-huh. Again, that, that XFL or AAF star?
0: XFL, XFL right?
1: XFL, yeah. And um, not a star at Temple, star in the XFL. He comes in. He's worse than Darnold. Yeah, it
0: didn't fix it, no? There's these,
1: uh, the rumors about Deshaun Watson are stronger and stronger. And uh, I have a feeling the Panthers are just going to be like, take my first rounders. Just do it. Just take all of them
0: this morning. I mean, we're sick of it. We're not getting into the Deshaun Watson thing, but for the millionth time, I just do not understand how a deal that makes sense can get done for Deshaun Watson, given twenty odd lawsuits plus however many criminal. I, I need to find out the number of criminal. Things Unless are there's over.
1: inside info as to where the. I just don't
0: see how going. that can be done whilst all that's hanging over him. The Texans have not traded him because they want full market value for. Deshaun Watson as if none of this existed, right? As if all of these legal cases against him were not there. That's the deal that they want, which is three first-round picks plus whatever else you want to throw into the deal. I, how can you make that move if you're the Panthers or the Dolphins or the, or the Eagles or anybody else? How, like, how can you possibly send that amount of picks in their direction having no idea if like, this is going to be resolved with a lot of money and, and payoffs for all these deals or if he's going to jail? It's very risky, unless you know
1: something, unless you know something about where the investigation's going, which we don't know. It seems like uh, the rumors were that people are trying to, you know, figure it out, poke at the NFL, hey, you know, know anything? And people don't know yet, or at least it's not coming out publicly, so. Anyway, we'll get into all of it. We're going to get into all the action. Where do you want to start here? By the way, the PFF NFL Daily came out late last night. Sometimes we do that. Early morning, late last night, we already posed the question how much trouble are the Chiefs actually in? Yeah. But let's start, with, let's start with that game. Because we'll, we, we, we also have to praise the Titans, right? I mean, the Tennessee Titans, 27-3 to victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Say what you want about the Chiefs, and we did for at least 10 minutes on the daily. We'll talk more here as well. The Titans coming off of an emotional Monday night win mm. against the Buffalo Bills. Now, in the matter of six days, they have knocked off... What many believe to be the two top teams in the AFC coming into the season, yeah. Now we know better. The top teams in the AFC are the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Titans, and the Ravens. But everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody's the top team. If the play, but let's just get it out of the way. If the playoffs started today, our hometown Cincinnati Bengals getting the bye. They're getting the bye. Yeah, yeah. Well earned. huh. I mean, they don't. So, but I'm just saying, if the playoffs started today, and they, you know, we had a November playoff coming up. Yeah. October, November.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so 27-3 Titans. What did you make of this one? Um, Well, this was a classic letdown spot, right? The Titans come off that emotional win, Monday night, short week, Kansas City. Classic, like, you lay an egg and and stink the week later. Um, And there is something to those, by the way. It isn't just like this uh, thing that people talk about, oh, this classic letdown spot. Those kinds of games you can actually kind of quantify with betting lines and all those kinds of things. There is something to the idea of a letdown game after that kind of big emotional win. On the other hand, the thing countering that is that the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are still getting everybody's best punch. Like they are still, even though they're now under 500 seven weeks into the season, they still carry the aura of being the Chiefs. And this is the team that everybody wants to show up against and make sure that Patrick Mahomes is not going to embarrass them. So I I think, obviously, Tennessee showed that they are capable of of knocking off two consecutive games like that and not having that kind of performance. But this was the first game of the year where the Chiefs offense didn't just turn the ball over but look bad doing it. Like, all the way through the season so far, the first six weeks, they've turned the ball over more than any other offense in the NFL, but they have at least been easily moving the ball between doing that like every drive is moving every drive like they led the league in scoring drive percentage and touchdown drive percentage and successful play rate heading into this game despite turning the ball over more than anybody else in the NFL and you're like well at some point they're just going to stop these ridiculous turnovers when they do that they have the best offense in the league this was the first game where even independent of the turnovers which showed up again um their offense didn't do that well. And then their defense is bad, really bad. So all of a sudden now, like there was a point in this game where it was, what, 27 nothing at the half? Largest deficit Patrick Mahomes has ever faced in the NFL. Um, and you're like, well, okay. In the past, we said, look, you put the Chiefs in a double-digit hole. That's where they love playing. And at some point, they're going to come back. Even... If you thought that the Chiefs' offense was capable of that kind of comeback in this game, you're like, they can't stop the Titans enough to have the time to do it. Like, the Titans are just going to chew the second half of the of the game on offense themselves, and the Chiefs are never going to have the ball for long enough to score.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mentioned that on the Daily today, too. We've always talked about, oh, the Chiefs are down. That's right where you want them. And like, it, you just didn't have that feeling. Now, the last time they were down by a ton, 24-0 against the Houston Texans, that AFC divisional game. Um, and then they got down against the Titans in the AFC Championship, down 10 or whatever it was. But it was really early. It was in the second quarter. The game hadn't really started yet. The Texans game had a bunch of fluky, you know, yes. fake uh, punt, blocked punts and stuff like that. But th- those were the times the Chiefs were down by a lot. And you came back and you're like, all right, you know, the offense hasn't gotten going yet. Now they're going to get rid of the run game and just put it in Mahomes' hands and they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the, the concerning numbers, so that, remember for a while we were saying Mahomes never been blown out as a starting quarterback, right? Yeah, hasn't He that? went from late 2016 with Texas Tech, throw a few games in there. Every start as Chiefs quarterback, he had never lost by more than eight, or his team has never lost by more than eight until last year's Super Bowl. So from 2016 until the last game of 2020, let's say all of 18, 19, and 20 in the NFL, never got blown out by more than eight. They lose to the Bucks. Now three out of their last eight games, they've lost by at least 18 to the Bucks in the Super Bowl, the Bills on Sunday Night Football, and then yesterday with the Titans. The other point I made on on the daily is the Chiefs have they they beat the Browns in Week One. Yeah, maybe they got a little lucky there. After you, remember how the, the Browns dropped a punt. Yeah. They, they lost And then fumbled in the second half. That game was lost, and the Browns threw it away. Yes. And then, if you push that aside just for a minute, the two Chiefs wins are against the Eagles and the Washington football team. Not very good teams mm-hmm. right now. So, that is the concerning part about the Chiefs. And I always try to say this, right? Like, we've seen Super Bowl teams be bad before in the whole deal. But it's... it's it's really every week they haven't played great football all season. The Chiefs.
0: Yeah, the, the problem is none of that like Super Bowl hangover stuff really makes sense when you're talking about like this is a team that has been to three consecutive AFC Championship games, two consecutive Super Bowls. Like you can't now decide that the Super Bowl hangover stuff works. Right? Either it's a thing or it isn't. And if those things are, if those things affect teams, it should have affected them already. The whatever is ailing the Chiefs right now is I don't think at all relevant to the Super Bowl but the biggest problem they have is still the turnovers like you know you you focus on what's wrong with this team and there are a few things at this point the defense is really really bad and it's closer to the 2018 version of the Chiefs where it was one of the worst units in the NFL than it is uh, last year's or where they got viable um so that I think is a problem i still think there's things that they can tweak on defense and they've started to do them you know personnel moves like benching daniel sorensen bringing in um juan thornhill like those things are making a difference to the defense it might not be enough but it's at least taking baby steps in the right direction but the biggest thing is like they are turning the ball over at an insane level like they lead the league in turnovers by a reasonable distance you just can't do that. We're going to be saying this every week, right? Oh, the turnovers, it's going to stop, right? It's going to stop. And look, there's turno- the
1: actual act of turning it over, whether or not you, the other team gets the ball or not, has an element of luck in it. We had mentioned that Mahomes' turnover worthy plays are down overall this year. I think the, how bad they are, though, is up. Right. Right? I mean, he, he, last week he had two on one play, this week he had two fumbles. As his two turnover where he plays, the interception was a little unlucky, but that's the other part too, right? Those are the things that are all—I mean, it it's pretty bad. It, it was—it was a bad decision, you know, outside the pocket. Those are the things that he had avoided for a few years, right? Is it Mahomes' playing style? I, I got some Mahomes stats where I want to—the
0: interception though is a classic a example of how things are just going different for him this year. Like Mahomes rolls out of the pocket to his left. He does that classic thing of, like, okay, everybody's covered, so I'm just going to, like, fling the ball in the general direction of one of my receivers because that's how we get out of this situation, right? That's
1: been a bunch of his picks this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and normally when you do that, I mean, over the last couple of years when Mahomes has done that, things work out great. Suddenly, you know, Tyreek Hill manages to beat the guy at the catch point. It's a catch, and you're like, wow, how does Mahomes even see these plays? Now what's happening, okay, it wasn't to Tyreek Hill this time, so maybe that's part of the issue. But now he picks a guy that's blanket-covered, fires the ball in his general direction, and instead of just getting beaten at the catch point, the defender manages to get a hand on it, flicks the ball up, and it's picked, right? So these are just the things of, like, when you play like that, i.e. without a ton of control over how things are going to end, you know, if you just put the ball out there with the trust that your guy is going to make the play, it doesn't always go that way. And this is, look... I would like to state very clearly that I am not saying that Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick are the same human being or play at the same level. But Is that- anyone
1: recording this? Can we make sure we've got
0: uh, Sam is perfectly
1: 100% equating Ryan Fitzpatrick and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, carry on with your
0: point. But that style of play of when in doubt, give your guy a chance to make the play – is subject to wild variance. that with Fitzpatrick we talk about you know that's why he's this roller coaster and it goes up and down with Mahomes it's always gone good up until now now all of a sudden it's going bad and we're like what's wrong with Mahomes there isn't that much difference between what he's always done and what he's doing right now the only difference is he's catching the crappy end of how it's working out
1: so a couple things to get here first off breaking news Here's the breaking news. Over at PFF.com, I believe it's six games are live, all a part of your premium stats package. That's all I, part of PFF Elite.
0: What if I don't want to pay full price for that? Is there a way that you can get me in for a discounted rate?
1: I, I actually have a discount that is personal just for you. Camera one, let's give me, give me, give me three, give me three. Give me three. Just for you. You can't. Just you, for you. Listen, I can. I can direct the camera. The, the other studios, with the where you get to, you can't control. No, I, I talk to those guys, and they put the camera on, and I say just for you. This what if you they're?
0: What if people are just listening and they don't even have a camera on you? Well, I'm talking to you too. Okay.
1: NFL Pod, you get 25 percent off. Just use, use the promo code NFL Pod, and you can log in right now and get 25 percent off all of these stats and grades we're talking about because we've already graded and reviewed five or six games. And that's from the last best night.
0: way of supporting the PFF NFL Podcast because yeah. when you do that. We get a little bit of credit, and the people that run this place see that we're not worth And we're
1: worthless. all family here, so we're all, we're all sharing credit. So we're doing it for you. You guys are doing it for us. Just we're all working to, together. Just trying to not look worthless on a Monday. But the grades are in. The Chiefs', uh, the Chiefs Titans grades are in. If you look at the, uh, the secondary for the Chiefs, Lageria Sneed had a rough game. Uh, no big surprise. The linebackers all had a rough game, especially in coverage. The only good grade there was uh, Nick, Nicholas Bolton.
0: Yeah, what is with that?
1: 87.3 against the run. That was very much his, I don't know. You said they were calling him Nicholas on the broadcast?
0: It was up on the, like, he was, he had, did he have a ton of tackles or something? He was on one of those, like, you know, performers of the day. 11 tackles by our for numbers. the whole day.
1: Yeah, 11 tackles for us. So right, and it was assist. up there
0: as Nicholas Bolton, which is the first time I've seen that as opposed to Nick.
1: His, uh, his rookie scouting report coming out of Missouri was very good run defender, not the best in coverage. And uh, yesterday, 87 run defense grade, 32 in coverage. Not great. Chris Jones, the highest graded defender. I mean, that pretty much sums it up, right? Even playing on the edge. well, so And now he was the highest graded defender with, uh, with just two pressures. Ten
0: total pressures for Chiefs players. Yesterday. They're taking baby steps towards the obvious fix to Chris Jones, i.e. moving him to hell bank where he belongs in the first place. The first few weeks, first six weeks of the season, he's been basically a full-time edge rusher. Almost never playing inside. Now he's playing everywhere. So all over the defensive line. It's like, let's move him around. Let's put him wherever. You'll never know where Chris Jones is. It could be anywhere. Just move him inside. Like, you move him inside. He's a wrecking ball. He is your best player. Just do that. Stop screwing around with him. It's not working. It's not benefiting you in any way, shape, or form. All the snaps do when you put him on the edge or put him anywhere other than inside is waste the impact that he can make. Like, you put him inside, he wrecks a guard and causes problems on the play. Just do that. Like, stop moving. You know, the the edge rusher experiment, I get it. It was a nice idea. It didn't work, right? The move him everywhere strategy is unlikely to be as good as just leaving him inside. Um, <clears throat> let's wrap. Let me give you a couple
1: numbers on Mahomes. We have to give the Titans credit. We'll circle back to the few Titans fans that are watching here or listening.
0: What? Just throwing a little shade on the Tennessee. Uh, well,
1: I know our... I know our numbers. I know the demographics. Wow. T- Titans mm-hmm. are a little bit lower. Maybe they've come back. Maybe they've come back with, you know, how good the Titans have been the last couple of years. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read some numbers to you. Okay. And you, uh, you tell me if you're concerned or not concerned about uh, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Because here's what we do. We, 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 we set hard cutoffs. Since his last elite game, When he had a 90 grade. That's the best time to do the cutoff if you're trying to make a point. Yeah. Which came in, I think it was week 13 last year. So I'll say since week 14 of last year, Mm -hmm. which is not a tiny sample. It's 13 games, Sam. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes has a
0: tiny sample. It is an arbitrary sample.
1: It's almost a full season. Almost a full season. Sure. In his last 13 games, including the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes has a PFF grade of 79.3 that ranks 16th passer rating i'm throwing in there just because people understand that context 93.8 that's 13th yards per attempt 7.5 that's also 13th and then epa for the advanced folks for the chiefs of course (laughs) the The entire chief's offense is 10th in expected points added the chief's passing offense is eighth in expected points added uh so is that a concern for Patrick Mahomes We asked this last week And we said hey The fact that he hasn't Played well yet We have a history Of him playing well He'll play better That's better for the Chiefs Now he's continuing To trend in the wrong direction QB 16
0: Since week 14 Of last year Yeah I mean It's obviously not good <laughs> like, Yeah I, I my, cons- my issue is I do wonder Like how much How much does Mahomes End up playing Significantly better If they just don't Turn the ball over Like not because The turnovers are the thing That's dragging his grade down though some of them are, Um, but because like if you just don't turn the ball over, you stay on offense, you get a chance to do more good things. Really quick, sorry to interrupt, but there was a point in the game where Tennessee
1: had held the ball for 30 minutes compared to Kansas City holding it for 10. Right, That's like one of the few times time of possession tells the story. Kansas City could not sustain offense.
0: Exactly, and if you're going to go out there and then turn the ball over, like you just don't have that much opportunity to actually make the good plays that are the thing that's missing from your game. But the freaky thing is, like— even after yesterday, Mahomes' turnover-worthy play rate this year is actually lower than it was last year, and yet he already has more interceptions than in either of the last two seasons. So this, this year's turnover-worthy play rate is lower than 2020 or 2019, and yet he has more interceptions in either season, either full season in total, including the playoffs. Um, so there is a degree to which he is just catching the crappy end of variance like this was, I was I tweeted yesterday that like his stats are going to get used as some kind of case study in how variance works because the last 2 years he has gotten abnormally lucky when it comes to turnovers so he had 20 turnover worthy plays in 2019, 23 and 2020 and those resulted in 7 interceptions and 8 interceptions which is Mind And this includes fumbles. It does right.
1: include fumbles, and he lost a few of those too. But it's a, but you, it's a great way to have perspective. But he's been a
0: very lucky, quote-unquote, quarterback over the last couple of years in terms of the number of his turnover-worthy plays that have ended up turned over. This year, he's at the other end of the scale. He's being ridiculously unlucky. He has nine turnover-worthy plays and nine interceptions alone. So obviously, some of those have been fumbles. Some of his interceptions have been these plays that have just bounced off receivers' hands and all those kinds of things. But like, bottom line is, he's getting unlucky this year versus lucky the last two years. And that's the only thing that sort of makes you go, I mean, this could go on a while, right? Because it's been two years of him getting, quote-unquote, lucky with regards to these plays. Get it all out of your system. Well, these things can go on runs that are longer than you think they should be, right? Just because... It's like... I didn't see... Do you know... Did the Bengals uh, coin flipping streak continue yesterday? Because they were on like 11 in a row. Didn't know that they had one. They did. My point is, flipping a coin is a 50-50 proposition, right? On the other hand, the Bengals can still flip correctly for kickoff 11 straight times. Maybe 12 straight times. I didn't check. It can go on longer than you think it should. So... At some point, the Chiefs' turnover luck will go away and come back to normal. But that doesn't mean it will be this year. You're making me check the game book here. <laughs> like, the Chiefs could easily end up this unlucky
1: and careless.
0: Like, they are, they are committing some Ooh. bad turnovers themselves.
1: Not exactly breaking news, but news either way. BLT wins the toss. Uh, see, the streak, And elects to defer.
0: Three hands at 11, then.
1: BLT, of course, is Baltimore in the NFL database, even though it's BAL everywhere
0: else. Why is that, Steve?
1: Well, BAL in the database is the Baltimore Colts, can't of course. Last, so you can't change that. So it's got to be BLT. And that's why you might see that. Is it still on our site as BLT? I, it's somewhere. It's places. Anyway. All right. So it is, Yeah. Travis Kelsey, seven catches for 65 yards. Tyree Kill, six catches for 49. They both averaged under 10 yards per reception. And here's where we start to give credit to the Tennessee defense. The Tennessee defense, they, did, they, they didn't just sit in this soft zone shell and keep everything underneath. They actually played a lot of cover one, so they played a lot of man. They did sit in the two-high shell as well or uh, you know keep things underneath. But they're starting secondary. Here's who graded well for the Tennessee Titans. Dane Cruikshank had a really nice game. He was manned up against Travis Kelsey a bunch. Did a really nice job. Cruikshank has been in the league since 2018. This year, he has never played more than 50 snaps in a season until this year. 325 snaps. I mean, here's a guy that's just you know moved around, kind of slot corner, safety, special teamer. And he's out there as a big part of this game plan. Greg Mabin.
0: Yes. Who is Greg Mabin. Who was on his fifth NFL team seeing snaps for. I haven't even checked if he's got more that he never played for.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, looking at premium stats, he had never play- played more than 248 snaps. He had never graded above 48. I mean, in, since <laughs>
0: 2017. Greg Maven's Greg career, if I, if I have a moment to indulge. Yes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2017, Buffalo Bills 2017, San Francisco 49ers 2017 and 18, Cincinnati Bengals 2019, Tennessee Titans 2020, Jacksonville Jaguars 2020, Tennessee Titans again 2021, Arizona Cardinals 2021, and back with the Tennessee Titans 2021, started the game against the Chiefs. Yeah, I just,
1: I mean, Greg Maben came in. I mean, this is the type of stuff. After as depleted as Tennessee became on Monday night with all their guys going down, Chris Jackson, who was already the backup, getting hurt and all this stuff, and they roll out there with Greg Maybin and Cruikshank and you know all these guys, Elijah Molden, the rookie, played a ton of snaps. They you would think they'd get torched, right, against the Chiefs. So credit to Shane Bowen, defensive coordinator, Mike Vrabel, everything that Tennessee did yesterday. Uh, their secondary graded great.
0: Greg Maybin gave up one catch for six yards. Yeah, and Cruikshank,
1: uh what hand, uh five five catches for 35. And again, he was he was one-on-one with Kelsey a bunch. They just did an incredible job. Yeah. Uh David Long played really well, at linebacker. They got a couple. Um they they got some pressure up front, a lot of a uh, bunch of get different they had more uh, five Dupree. different guys had three plus. Bud Dupree showed up. Even Bud got in there with a sack. Why
0: do you gotta say Even Bud. I was trying to give him credit and you went.
1: True, true, true. You're right. Bud Dupree did some nice things. <laughs> Denico Autry,
0: he was the best pass rusher. You literally can't say anything positive about Bud Dupree without it sounding sarcastic. I
1: could in two thousand nineteen yeah. when he was playing But now
0: young. you just you physically can't do it. No. No. <laughs> I mean the dude's got like nine more pressures
1: than I do this year. Yeah. Give or take. Okay. Right? Was he have nine for the year? That's all right, whatever. We're we're giving credit to the Titans all across the board. Yeah, you're doing a really good job of that. It's just it's just really impressive what they did with all those guys. And then offensively, uh, look, I know we were hyping up Derrick Henry and the whole thing. A game like this kind of hurts the, uh, the MVP case for Derrick Henry. No, no, it doesn't.
0: Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass. That's oh, one, true. That's one more than Patrick Mahomes threw. Uh,
1: good point. All right. I mean, they were making the point on the broadcast, every time Tannehill fakes – to Derrick Henry, it's like, oh, everything's wide open, and it, it runs through Henry. If yeah.
0: if, if yeah. I will, uh, Ryan Tannehill pass rating 105. Derrick Henry pass rating 127. Derrick Henry threw the same number of touchdown passes. He was the leading touchdown passer in this game True, featuring Ryan Tannehill and Patrick Mahomes. Tied and unlike time. the other two, he didn't throw an interception. Didn't throw an interception. All right. right,
1: so Henry for MVP is alive and well. That's what I'm saying. I just love, I mean, he throws the jump pass on the goal line. Tannehill kept moving the chains. AJ Brown was unstoppable. It was uh, this is when we talk about the dudes. It's like in any given game, it could be Julio Jones, it could be Derrick Henry. Well, this was the AJ Brown game where he breaks out for eight catches and one thirty three ninety one receiving grade, and uh, just really impressive all around and, by the Titans. And
0: you could see. I don't know if this is a a specific to the way the Chiefs are coached on defense, but like there, you know, some teams. Some teams' linebackers, you can see, don't react to play action or at least are coached, forget. They're not even reading play action, right? They're like coverage first. They're At the time the ball is being faked to the running back, they are dropping into zones yeah. to then come up and attack the run if it turns out it's a run. The Chiefs do the opposite of that. Like, they are attacking <laughs> downhill at the line of scrimmage regardless of whether it's a play fake or not. So there are plays where Derrick Henry is is being faked the ball And the guys in the box are all storming towards the line of scrimmage. And then it's, uh uh-oh, it's a play fake. We are eight yards out of position at this point. And you see, like, Nicholas Bolton, like, turning tail, just running backwards blindly into coverage, hoping that the ball ends up hitting his back or whatever. That, I mean, Derrick Henry is a part of that, right? I don't know if that's specific to the Chiefs' defense or if that's the added Derrick Henry factor. But whatever it is, when they fake the ball to him in this game, that everybody in the box was nowhere near being in, in a suitable coverage spot.
1: Yeah, they, I, I do wonder how much that's Derrick Henry and how much it's just the Chiefs have, again, coming into the game, we were like, hey, they have the worst run defense. Group. Right. And you know they're going to have to stop the run, so they're just overcommitted. So that brings us to the AFC. We've talked a lot about the Titans and Chiefs. We do have to move on. Hmm. The top of the AFC right now is Bengals, Raiders, Titans, and Ravens, all five and two. What a fascinating group. I mean, we're talking about a Bengals team and a Raiders team, both lost to the Bears, right? They both lost to the Bears. The Titans lost to the Jets. Um, So as much as we are, we're we're throwing some dirt on the Chiefs here. They're not dead and buried yet. They're not. Of course they're not. I mean, there's too much of a history. But they're in a hole. Of them being really good. Uh, The Chargers are 4-2. The Bills are 4-2. These teams have beat each other up. The AFC is wide open. There are five teams in the NFC with one, loss, one or fewer losses. The Cardinals the only undefeated team. There is zero in the AFC. So it's just completely wide open here. So, Let's uh, go to the, uh,
0: the Bengals game.
1: Let's go to the Bengals game. A statement game Yeah, for the hometown Bengals.
0: I but, like uh, this game because it went exactly the way I said it was going to go. Sort of. Um, my point going into this game, or my big thing, was Joe Burrow was the number one graded quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz baltimore blitzes as much as anybody in the nfl that's how they love to play they were like top four top five in blitz rate despite the game against the chiefs right where they didn't blitz at all but they didn't blitz which is skewing their numbers obviously in a six-week sample size you just you stole my segue oh yeah you stole my ad time that's a shame yeah well you know deal. can with it. i can
1: i slide in a little discussion about DraftKings?
0: uh
1: now yeah
0: okay take it away what have you got? This isn't smooth at
1: all, but it's necessary because <laughs> we're 30 minutes into it, and we gotta, we got to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They got you covered this week because all new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, it's $200 in free bets. That's what you win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. We've been giving away these incredible DraftKings deals all season. I don't know how long they're going to last, Sam, but this is a pretty easy one. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PFF. All you have to do is bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So I would find the biggest favorite They all all won yesterday. All they have to do is win. You bet five. You come away with 200. Promo codes PFF over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Sorry, go on. So, Joe Burrow, the Blitz. Number one quarterback against the Blitz. Ravens Blitz as much as anybody. And the idea being they're not going to give Joe Burrow that respect. Just on spec, right? They're gonna make him prove it. it. It took three, is that right, games against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are getting torched when they sent the blitz at him to be like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do this. It turns out Patrick Mahomes knows how to beat this blitz. So they were going to send the blitz against Joe Burrow and that was going to expose them to getting beat by some big plays. It was going to put Jamar Chase one-on-one with their DBs throughout the game and see if Joe Burrow can connect with that. Now out of, what do we got? 39 dropbacks, they blitzed Joe Burrow 15 times. In those 15 uh, attempts for Burrow, 10 completions, 244 yards, two touchdowns, 16.3 yards per attempt, a PFF grade of 82.2. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase carved up the Baltimore Ravens' blitz and consequently put up a ton of points that Baltimore were not able to match. It's presumably
1: the 82 yarder was in that yes mix yeah i mean it, it certainly helps <laughs> to have the 82 yarder with Jamar. but chase that was the point right it's like you are everybody right you're you on are essentially
0: island. daring them to do the thing they've done all season long which is f- connect burrow to chase and make magic happen and they did jamar chase is an absolute game changer
1: yeah just an absolute game changer eight catches 201 yards
0: um to your point a lot of which against marlon humphrey yes who is, like, there are people out there that are like, ah, Humphrey's overrated, Humphrey's not very good. Humphrey is one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. If you can't see that, I can't help you. He just is, right? And yet Jamar Chase wrecked him multiple times yesterday.
1: Yeah, we were wondering, you know, remember the Ravens lost their entire backfield, and then lost Marcus Peters for the season. One of the advantages of the Ravens in their system, or the strengths of their team, was having that depth in the secondary, whereas Marcus Peters... And Marlon Humphrey. And, oh, by the way, Tavon Young and Anthony uh, Everett and all that stuff. But once you lost Marcus Peters, we were wondering, you know, what's going to happen here? What, you know, can they still blitz the way they are? And, yeah, definitely just burned them yesterday. Humphreys gave up 227 yards. He did force that fumble, almost saved, you know, not even the game, but it just, you know, kind of kept the Ravens in it late with that forced fumble on Jamar Chase. But Humphreys gets torched for 227 yards, mostly on an island. And he had an interception in there, too, that kind of helped him. That was like the one bad decision Barrow made in this game. But Jamar Chase is an absolute game-changer, man. Yeah. I, it's unbelievable that he can make this many big plays week after week. And he did this – what this 82-yarder was different, right? I mean, he wins down the field. He does all that stuff. Now he's juking three dudes to go 82 yards on a slant. That is – that is scary what Jamar Chase has brought to this offense.
0: Yeah, I mean there was a play where he like Humphrey was up in his grill in press coverage. He released off the line. I'm not sure Humphrey even touched him. He was certainly grasping at air, trying to get to him. And then he just ran away from him across the field, like on a on a deep over route, um and, and got significant yards after the catch. Like these are all the things that people said he couldn't do, right? Oh, can't beat press coverage, can't separate, all those things. And not only is he doing them, but he's doing them effortlessly against some of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. I mean, Jamar Chase is absolutely for real. Like, somebody tweeted yesterday that the reaction to seeing Justin Jefferson last year be one of the best rookies in NFL history should have been like, oh, this dude at college that was objectively way better than Justin Jefferson in the same offense is going to be insane next year. And yet, for some reason, the reaction went in the other direction. It was like, oh. Let's talk about all the things that are wrong with Jamar Chase's game. But the dude is insane. Like, he, he's now
1: – And now looking back, it's like, wait, these dudes played on the same team? Right.
0: The all-time leader in yardage through the first seven weeks of their rookie seasons. Like, nobody has ever had more yards after seven games than, than Jamar Chase has. Ever. It's just
1: absolutely incredible, man. It's, uh, it has completely changed the Bengals' offense. Uh, last year at this time, we said, look, Joe Burrow – was playing well, deep ball's got to get better. All of a sudden, that's better this year when you have a receiver that's getting open and making plays down the field. Uh, there wasn't much else. I mean, then you have C.J. Azoma. Azoma just randomly decides he's going to become Gronk yeah. in a few games per year. He's got, he had the huge, uh, big gain. And that's what I liked about the Bengals too, right? They were, they were six and a half point underdogs in this game. And you watch enough NFL games... Uh, we'll talk about the Lions soon, right? Where the team that is the underdog, they're hanging tough, they're hanging tough. And just the more football you watch, at some point, the favorite runs away with it. And the Ravens took a lead, right? They got up to a point where it's like, okay, if you're a believer in the Ravens and that they're a much better team uh, than, than the Bengals, they get up 70-13 to early in the second half. Great throw. Lamar Jackson to Marquise Brown. Just beautiful back of the, uh, back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Burrow and the Bengals come back with a 32-yarder to Azoma. They take the lead. And then they get the 82-yarder to go up 10. And then it's just Bengals from here on out. Joe Mixon scores on a 21-yarder on the ground. And the Bengals' offense just takes over. I think that – I mean, I I predicted this win, right? I predicted the, the signature win for Joe Burrow and the Bengals and the new era and all this stuff. This is one of those, right? In a game where it was was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and the Bengals were the team that pulled away in the second half. Yeah. That's impressive.
0: Uzama has 13 catches over the last five or six games. So, like, 900 yards. Sure. Um, But five of them are touchdowns. Yeah, there you go. And he's got, like, almost nine yards after the catch on average per reception. Um, I'm so bummed. I I only just looked at my notes that I, like, take during the course of Sunday so they have any vague idea what the hell happened once yeah. the games all blend into one. Completely missed the fact that the uh, the Chiefs ran a rugby play in the game. They like, Your ran, notes. It, they it ran must a be. drag route to, to, uh, to Travis Kelsey who then pitched it to the dude outside of him. They created the overlap. I've been saying for years now that there's like a whole world of these plays open to gain extra yardage, and the NFL just doesn't tap into it. You know what the Chiefs would help? Just do it casually and you know, chill. You know what, though, now, it didn't help. They lost. So, yeah,
1: the Chiefs should practice more football plays instead of rugby plays. Perhaps I don't, you know, this is Travis Kelsey. The man doesn't practice this kind of stuff. It's just instinct. He, there was twice he was looking to. He pitched it
0: once, yeah. and he was looking to do it again. Uh huh. You should. NFL should be creating these plays because you can create overlaps like that that rugby can barely dream of because of the rules.
1: I would let you. I would think about it when you get the. the uh, we always look for ways to get the mid-tier quarterback to elevate him. Perhaps some rugby plays, which by the way didn't work at
0: all. What do you mean? Didn't it worked? Didn't work. It got them like it got them a first down that wasn't there. It worked. It's called a hook and ladder, by the way. But uh,
1: it's not. Don't take away from the hometown Bengals. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just impressed. They were they were down 17 to 13 in the second half, in
0: 141-17. Yeah, biggest ever Bengals win over Baltimore. First time Lamar Jackson has lost in October. <laughs> There's a stat. It was nine and zero in October before that game. There's a stat. Yeah, I mean it's not mine. I've stolen it from whatever broadcast I was watching at the time. But
1: I mean the Ravens have won about 75 percent of Lamar's starts, including the playoffs. I mean him and him and Mahomes just haven't lost a ton of games. There's probably not a lot of weeks in history where they've both lost in the same week. And, the, and it shows, I think, just how wide open this AFC is. Joe Burrow and the Bengals, I think they're still kicking themselves about that Packers overtime loss because they'd be sitting there at 6-1. and one. Um, But them, it is fascinating. There are two losses to the NFC, the Packers and the Bears. Uh, but look, Jamar Chase, absolute game changer. Got to credit the Bengals' defense. Lamar didn't have the best. <laughs> outside of that great throw to Marquise Brown, Lamar's accuracy was off, but the Bengals made it difficult on them. A bunch of their free agents in the back end played a really good game. I mean, it was, it was an impressive all-around team effort. Chidabay Wugier, the highest-graded uh, defender uh, from a coverage standpoint and uh, was he overall? Yeah, overall. Impressive by the Bengals,
0: man. I don't want to break it to you, but uh, the great Alejandro Villanueva gave up eight pressures and was the only guy on the team to have a pass-blocking grade under 50.
1: Yeah, it's still early. It's still early. Oh, that was okay. the other thing I did want to mention. Bengals defensive front got after it, just really impressive with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. They seven, eight pressures between them, thirty-two total pressures. Just you know, added not snaps but total pressures that includes multiple per play. Uh, Larry Oganjobi got in the mix. Bengals oh, that all the the, the overhauled off a defensive line for the Bengals played great.
0: It yeah. did. Yeah, Villanueva um, could do a better it, job. Yeah, it was definitely helped by Baltimore's offensive line. So Villanueva playing badly, and then they lost uh, Patrick McCurry, who's been a solid right tackle once they reshuffled. They lost him after 20 snaps. Um, Tyre Phillips comes in and was a problem on some snaps. Now, his his grade is actually okay. He only gave up three total pressures. His pass-blocking grade is 71.6. They helped him out a reasonable amount, which, you know, you kind of needed to given your base key down to third straight at right tackle at this point. Um, but that is a potential problem for this team going forward. It was causing issues for Lamar Jackson in the pocket. Um, and that's – you look at Baltimore and you're like, okay, how far can they go this season? The fact that you don't trust that offensive line, particularly the tackles, is a concern.
1: We've been We were hyping up Lamar for MVP in part because he had that incredible game against the Colts where a lot of it was on him. Then you see a game like this where the running backs only had eleven carries. They didn't go anywhere. This is this is unravens like, right? There were there have been games where they've put up a lot of rushing yards. Their EPA per rush, though, it was middle of the pack coming into this week, so they are less effective as far as efficiency goes in the run game this year. Lamar had three times as many carries as pretty much anybody on the team here, except Le'Veon Bell. Um is there just too much on his plate, right? It didn't just feel too much like... I mean, he spent the average time to throw in the pocket was 3.5 seconds, too, with Lamar. As much as I always defend him and say, he's not just trying to dance around. He's not just looking to run and all this stuff. There are games where it does feel like he just takes the weight of the world on his shoulders and tries to do too much in the passing game. And, And running and the whole thing, maybe just too much on Lamar here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a degree of... It's kind of... It's always going to seem that way when they lose and when it doesn't go well. On the other hand, it's the same thing as they've been doing the last few weeks when it's been going well and they've been winning and nobody's mentioned it then. No, no,
1: no. I am completely reacting to yesterday's loss.
0: I'm just saying it's probably not an issue if you don't think it's an issue while they're winning games. I I think this is just the nature of that, right? Like if Lamar Jackson is going to be the offense, if you find a way of causing Lamar Jackson some problems and he isn't amazing on the day – you're going to have a lackluster offense yourself.
1: So Cincinnati Bengals, number one seed in the AFC. We'll get into some non-AFC talk at some point, but that was uh, those are the big stories, man. I mean, the games weren't close ultimately, but those are the big stories, the shakeup in the AFC.
0: That's your, that's, those are your big stories. They're not the biggest stories? No. What's the biggest story? The Jared Goff revenge game. We'll
1: get to that uh-huh. right after where, uh, we blitz through the hairs with Manscaped. <laughs> Manscaped, right?
0: That's what we're going to do i I'm first. not doing that with you here on the
1: podcast. No, no, we're not going to, but our, our listeners are going to because oh, it's see. football season, and that's what we do during football season. It's never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide, not just us, but two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using the promo code PFF over at Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. That sounds like a good deal. It's throwing it out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense, Sam. Uh-huh. Do not read if you have Oh no no, sorry. That's it says don't read it. Just joking.
0: If you have what now?
1: No, if you it says it says talk about a great story. Talk, you, talk about your grooming stories. This is where you come in. Have you got one? Go. You don't have a good grooming story. No, this is where I throw it to you for the for the great story about about the uh the lawnmower 4.0. We're,
0: we're we're mere days away from Halloween at this point. I'm waiting for the awesome like pun that involves somehow pumpkins and nut shaving. Should I just you got nothing.
1: Shave your pumpkins this year with la- the lawnmower 4.0. We've been here since the 1.0, uh-huh. but the 4.0. It's incredible. It's here to take your defense to the next level. Yeah, I had to add live a little bit with no Halloween uh, team here. I
0: don't think you have a future in landscape ad. <laughs> re- Writing. Jingle balls to the wall?
1: I can't wait for that one. Right. We'll bring that back. Where are they? This fourth-generation trimmer, either way, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade, blade to reduce, reduce grooming accidents. I could talk. Thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower Mower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. You don't need the trendy Halloween stuff because... Did we mention it's waterproof, Sam? We have mentioned this before. Rain, snow, or sleet, which is coming soon, especially on the East Coast.
0: Or north. Right. Well, what is it? The, They're
1: no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. The 0.
0: atmospheric river? That's not going to stop you shaving your nuts. Yes. So if you
1: were sitting there in the atmospheric river in San Francisco last night, you got the lawnmower 4.0. Could have
0: kept blitzing. It is
1: waterproof. Blitz through the hairs. Even live during the San Francisco 49ers game, there's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. No. Even in the,
0: uh, I mean, the there might be storm, there the river might, storm. There might be an arrest coming your way for like indecent exposure, but I mean, look. Yeah, Manscaped is not responsible for any arrests. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't add that, but I did for them. Well done, yeah. Get
1: 20% off plus free shipping with the po- with the code PFF at manscapes.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com. Use the code PFF
0: over at Manscaped. Please buy these things, by the way, because then we get to keep doing this. And frankly, the, the Manscaped reads are the best part of the show. We're doing all of this for you, right? We do Manscaped. We do the NFL
1: pod promo, which is 25% off. We do that all for you. I
0: mean, look, Christmas is coming up. Together. Who wouldn't want to receive a nut-shaving device for Christmas. Jingle balls to the wall.
1: That's the <laughs> best. You're going to jump right to the Goff revenge game?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It was great. Go. It was a really good game. I, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go at all. As much as I was smug about the Bengals uh, taking it to Cincinnati, I thought the Rams would absolutely stomp Detroit, poor Jared Goff, hapless Jared Goff, into the dirt and just walk off in, you know, smug victory. But this was like... Bill Barnwell tweeted this was the Lion Super Bowl. Like they came out and they're going for a like fourth down fake punts, fake kicks, they're doing everything. They converted two fake punts. Yeah. They recovered an onside kick.
1: Yeah. Surprise, Surprise onside.
0: onside kick after the first touchdown. Yes. Uh-huh. But
1: this is how you play when you are 17 point underdogs or whatever, they were fifteen and a half, and a half, whatever it was. When you're massive
0: underdogs, that is how you're supposed to play. Yes. But the That's- problem is they then got gutless. So they'd done all this to get up to, what was it, a 10-0 lead to start. Um, And then they have, like, fourth and three, and they do that ridiculous thing where you, like, go up and you pretend you're going to snap the ball and you end up calling a timeout and you just go for a field goal. Like, you've, you've already set your stall out, right? You have to be insanely aggressive to convert these plays so you can stay ahead of the Rams, who are clearly a much better team than you are. Don't chicken out once it's working, like, this is when you double down. Fourth and three, pick it up. Fake yeah. it or run the play or, like, get that score. Then you can go up 14 nothing, and now you're really, like, putting the boot to them. Instead, you kick the field goal. You just you take the soft thing. And then, like, that's the problem is they then end up getting punished for that. Like, the Rams are better than the Lions. They're eventually going to come back. They're going to peg it back. And it kind of tragically ended up You know, Jared Goff played pretty well. It was, like, making the point, hey, I can do this. Okay, helped by, like, dumping it off to running backs who take it 70 yards for a touchdown. But then ultimately, like, Jared Goff... was a good way to kick it off. 63-yard screen pass to DeAndre Swift for a touchdown. Goff and his receivers, like, hideous, you know, miscommunication on third and seven in Rams territory. Tragic turnover. And it's like, yeah, that was... You you ran it close, but ultimately this kind of went out. It was the perfect way of ending where, you know, Goff could go... Like, head held high to the postgame handshake, you know? And be like, whilst uh, equally Sean McVay can kind of look him in the eye and be like, yeah, well done, Jared. That was, you know, pat on the head. Good effort, you know? It, you did better than I thought you were capable of, but ultimately you're still a loser. Like, that was basically the end result of this. But it could have been so much more for the Lions.
1: They just, they did a lot of the right things, like you said. They did punt. I mean, they did kick the field goal on fourth and three. Yeah, not great. It's in just, the, if you're going to end. go
0: out there and be like, look, this is our Super Bowl, we're going to go for the fourth downs, we're going to do the surprise onside kick, we're going to do everything humanly possible to steal extra possessions and stop the Rams scoring, you can't then, like, turtle up when it gets to fourth and three and take a field goal.
1: They also got stu- That's the other thing, too. They, I believe, they, yeah, so they stopped. They got stuffed on fourth and one at the Rams 18. They went for it properly there. It's one of those games where they needed all of those. So yeah. if they had gotten that fourth and one and somehow pulled this off, we would have gone through this laundry list of two right. fake punts, and the surprise onside, and they converted the fourth down, and then the Rams go for it on fourth and like inches, pass the ball. Stafford misses the throw or hits the defender, um, in and that was that was not that. Yeah. It was like, like just into Lions territory. You're
0: such a huge underdog. You need all of those plays. You need all and, of them. And you yeah. can't you can't therefore not go for some of them like you have to go for all of those plays Eat, like, it, you're kind of you're such a big underdog you probably you know the the idea of the analytics always says go for it well it doesn't right but it says go for it a lot more than most teams do yeah but you probably have to err on the side of going for it even when the analytics says maybe not like just go because what what's your what have you got to lose here
1: yeah and it's one of those things too where the the analytics also know If you are Jared Goff and the Lions going for it with a lesser roster, or if you're Matthew Stafford and the Rams going for it, and if you don't get it, so again, we always talk about this, the longer the game goes, unlike the Ravens game, the favorite generally pulls away, right? The more football, the more real football that is played, the more it's to the favor of the favorite, the better football team. So the more you can shorten that and steal possessions and just whatever it might be, um, I thought they had I, – see, I thought they had a fumble ruski in them. I thought they had a Statue of Liberty. I thought they had more in them. That's, I think that was the problem
0: with the Lions. They didn't have more. No fumble ruski. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they needed the fumble ruski, but I do think that you just – you can't – you set the stall out. You got the shock early lead. You, you did kind of rock the Rams back in their heels – but you can't then stop swinging. Like, you have to – the only way to win that is to keep going. Like, load up haymaker after haymaker and try, and try and put them out. You can't go, well, we got one lucky shot in. They're reeling, so now let's back up and let them regroup and recover. I mean, you're such a huge underdog. You needed to keep swinging and hit them with everything you have, and you didn't. You backed off, and that kind of set yourself up for the ultimate, like – eventually golf was going to make a mistake or or the offense generally because that seemed to be a kind of general miscommunication
1: on the other side the rams i thought they you know they stepped up and handled all of that i mean it's it's not it's certainly not a flashy win 28 to 19 you're not going back and we're not you know doing a whole podcast on are the rams the best team in the nfc after what we just saw it's like hey they they handled the underdogs punches and came back. I thought Matthew Stafford played one of his cleanest games in his, uh, in his you know not a revenge game but against his former team with the Lions. The pass game was incredible again. Cooper Cup was unstoppable. Ten catches for one fifty six and a couple scores. Uh, so the Rams just you know continue to be able to move the ball and create big plays. And and again it was with all the stuff that was going against the Rams offense puts a little pressure on them you know you gotta you gotta keep up you gotta keep up when you get fewer possessions as they did or just less timely possessions and uh I thought Stafford played one of his cleanest games did a really nice job Lions defense in the whole thing but you got to give them credit they you know he finishes 28 41 throws for over 300 three touchdowns graded well didn't miss a ton of throws and uh kept the ball safe for the most part yeah so good job by the Rams and it was one of those things, yeah, the longer it goes, it's like, oh, golf, red zone interception. Incredible play by Ramsey.
0: Yeah. Somebody was making the point, and it's a reasonable one, that this was like the perfect game for Dan Campbell and the Lions. It's like you lose, which for you is a good thing because, you know, rebuild, you're one. You want the high draft pick. Yeah. Um, but you go down swinging. Everybody thinks that you're, you're doing everything you can to win. you know, you're the guy that everyone wants to fight for and to to play for. And, you know, perfect end result. You, you run the Rams close. You were never supposed to be in the game, but you get the, the result that everybody thought was going to happen, which is a loss and another step on the way to the first overall pick.
1: So that's a perfect win-win?
0: Yeah. Like, your point is you don't want to be like – you don't want to just mail it in because you, you breed this losing culture and it's hard to shake that off yeah. once you're good. So the best way, the best result is to lose anyway but go down swinging. Like, so everybody's trying to win – but Swinging you, or uh, biting kneecaps, whatever it takes. Right. Everybody's trying to win. You just don't and therefore end up with the better draft pick.
1: I'm, what are your thoughts on Dan Campbell so far
0: overall in Detroit? I think he seems to be doing a good job. Like yeah. He's doing a lot of smart things. I, again, I would like to have seen him follow through with the promise of early in the game. Right, you You started off doing the right things and then kind of went into your shell a little bit i think i mean that's not a dan campbell specific thing i think nfl coaches are always just one move away from getting conservative and not not uh, staying as aggressive as they need to in situations like this but i mean very few coaches are uh, very few coaches are capable of sort of understanding the situation and keeping their foot down on the gas everybody sort of you start off, you do the aggressive thing. And it's like, oh, sweet, it worked. We got the extra possession. Now let's go and play the game normally. It's like, no, the whole point about this is you need to do that the whole way through. Otherwise, it doesn't really do the job.
1: I, I hope that this wasn't really their Super Bowl, though. Oh, it definitely was because they're gonna have other games where they're massive underdogs, yeah. right? And I, I just love the way they played it. I just, I love overall the aggressiveness that they had and, and realizing that. And um, you know, they're just limited as a team man sorry about the table they're just limited as a team so you have to you have to pull out all the stops uh from a rams perspective uh they moved to what six and one and you know they had to they had to take care of business a win's a win and i thought i thought they responded well offensively when they needed to so nice job by the rams moving on nice job by the lions win-win for everybody moral victories
0: not really a win for the uh the lions i mean they lost
1: were there any close games
0: no Let's go through the rest of the slate.
1: Patriots 54, New York Jets 13.
0: Not a hugely close game.
1: Statement game for the New England Patriots. This is like one of those old school, just everything was good. Pass game, run game, run defense, pass defense. Everything was good for New England. Oh, man. Zach Wilson gets hurt. Mm. Mike White comes in as the backup. Mike White did put the Jets on the board, at least. But, uh, man, this was a, a thrashing from start to finish. From the Patriots:
0: The good news for Zach Wilson is that uh, Mike White did at least look worse, so
1: after he threw the touchdown, things got a little bit worse.
0: yeah, yeah like you can <laughs> the worst thing for the Jets would be if like Zach Wilson went down, Mike White comes in and looks better, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> this is really bad. I knew it wasn't going well for Zach Wilson beforehand, but only when you see his backup like outperform him and sort of show just how good bad it is are we really concerned? So Mike White did at least have the decency to come in and play worse overall, and now you're like, okay, that's fine. At least Zach Wilson is the best option we have here in addition to, you know, the obvious future being the second overall pick. Um, but, yeah, like the Jets are are bad right now, and Zach Wilson obviously can't raise it all, raise the level of the whole thing by himself this is a team with a pretty long way to go to be even, you know, competitive.
1: I thought they'd be a little better this year, the Jets. I thought Robert Sala would bring a little bit of stability to the defense. Now, to be fair, we did look at that defense coming into the season, and we said good defensive line, especially when Carl Lawson was out there. We we looked at the defensive line and said, okay, they can do some things there. They got got wrecked yesterday. Linebackers had a rough game too. But we definitely went into the season saying other than Marcus May – this poor secondary It was a whole bunch of first and second year Fifth rounders It really was I mean literally fifth round or later Whole bunch of first, uh, first or second year players Young players um, And honestly they should probably have been torched Even more than they have this year So the roster still has work to do The other part was we thought All the investment in the offense And the offensive line I know they've had some injuries in the whole thing You're just not seeing enough other than, what, the Tennessee game where Zach Wilson made some of those big-time throws, you're just not seeing enough from this offense or the defense. There's just not enough encouraging signs. As we're talking about the Lions, the Lions were overmatched in their game against the Rams, but yeah, they're feisty, right? Yeah, they're, they're battling, and they're onside kicking. And they're doing all this stuff and keeping it competitive. The Jets just, man, this was rough for them.
0: Yeah, they got pretty well stomped.
1: From a New England standpoint, they're now 3-4. and four two wins against the jets and one against the texans. Now, I do think beating the beating the jets handily, especially like in this one, might bode well for the future in the whole thing. And it shows what their potential is. Just absolutely dominant. Like their their offensive line that they, they only gave up as a as a group only gave up six pressures, uh, including everybody, offensive line and other blockers. Dominant and from a pass blocking standpoint, dominant from a run blocking standpoint. They did it all. Does this bode well for the Patriots or is it just they beat up on a bad team and, hey, they got the Chargers next week? Well, you know, the wins and losses, the wins are still going to be tough to come by for, for this Patriots team because this was, this was really impressive. Old-school throwback, all-around win for the Patriots in Belichick.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously it doesn't bode badly for them, but it does feel like this is still a team that's only really capable of beating up on bad teams and not necessarily good themselves. Like, they are still running this training wheels offense for mac jones you know you put up 50 against the jets and it's the jets if ever you're gonna like open it up why are you calling it training wheels though it's the the regular it's the patriots it's a regular patriots offense because in a game where you're gonna hang 50 on the new york jets you are running trick plays with kendrick Bourne throwing the ball rather than just saying mac jones drop back and hit the guy in the end zone please like let mac jones be your quarterback stop trying to like Stop trying to act like you would rather you anything else They've than always, Mac Jones just be a drop-back in though. They've always mixed that stuff in. Mac Jones had an average depth of target in this game of 7.6. Yeah. He's just not being asked to be a quarterback at this point. They are running an offense as if Mac Jones is a hindrance, not, uh, not a, a beneficial part of the passing game. And at some point... That he doesn't hit work.
1: A, he did hit a nice deep ball in there.
0: Yeah, they did open it up. But like this is not a this is not a system that can beat the best teams in the NFL. It just you you've shown so far this year. It would be one thing if the Patriots. You know, we said heading into this season, the two tight end offense, the offensive line that they'd assembled, the running backs all built with power. This is a team that could potentially sort of shock the league in terms of just bulldozing everybody, right and kind of running in here with this 1994 offense that nobody is prepared for because everybody has pivoted towards coverage and linebackers weighing 215 pounds and defensive linemen being 280 instead of 330. Like, there was a chance that this offense could, has just swung all the way to a different style of power that the league wasn't prepared for anymore. But that isn't the case. Like, we've seen so far this year that they're not that good relative to everybody else, that they can just run that. And if they had, you could make a case that, all right, you don't need Mac Jones to be anything more than an Alex Smith who just goes out there, takes what's there, doesn't turn the ball over, and, you know, steers this giant oil tanker in the direction of the end zone. But that isn't what's happening. So you have an offense that isn't really capable of bulldozing everybody and a quarterback that's trying to steer it slowly slowly. Towards the end zone, like just let him go out there and play quarterback. That's why he drafted him in the first round. And he's played well, man. He continues to just
1: not make not make a lot of mistakes. When he does make mistakes, they're they're ugly looking. Didn't have any in this game as far as turnover-worthy really plays go. Mac Jones playing really well. He's very clearly been the best rookie quarterback uh, with a low, very low standard. But he's been the best. He's played grading really well here through seven weeks. So um, I think I'd be. Encouraged, but this also feels a little bit like last season with the Patriots. Last year was a lot of win one, lose one, and they won the games that they mostly won the games they should have and lost the games that they should have. If they're going to make a playoff run, which by the way they're three and four as well, much like the Chiefs, mm-hmm. um, if the Patriots are going to make a playoff run in this wide open AFC, they got to win next week against the Chargers and win those types of games against playoff caliber teams. To this point, we've only seen them beat up on two teams probably picking in the top 10, maybe in the top five when it comes to the Jets and the Texans.
0: Yeah, it does feel like they have a level right now, (laughs) and I don't see an obvious way of overcoming that. Like, in order to jump ahead of another level, you would need to do things like, you know, let Mac Jones run the offense. I don't know if you're completely...
1: I don't know if you're classifying that properly, but... How would you classify it? You just want them to, like... Chuck it 10-plus yards down the field a little bit more. Well,
0: significantly more. And not – I mean, everything they do like screams – Like they call
1: those concepts. They don't have the best receivers at getting open there. And he and Mac Jones is one of those, you know, just take what's there type of guy. Quick decision. And if it's open underneath it, you know, he's more likely to do that. He's, I think he's less aggressive by nature.
0: Everything they do screams, we don't trust our quarterback.
1: There are, no, there are definitely elements where it's like third and long screens. And there's, there's a lot of times where they do take the ball out of his hands – on critical downs and just rely on the play-action game and everything. But that's also, I don't know, isn't that a good way to get your rookie integrated? Because we're going to talk about Fields in a minute, getting
0: crushed and, you know. It's a good way of protecting your rookie quarterback. But the point is, at some stage, you have to determine whether he needs the protection or not. Like, Justin Fields right now needs the protection. Mac Jones hasn't really done much this season to suggest that he needs the protection. And by the way, you need more from the quarterback so if those two things are both true, you need to start putting more on his, on his plate and saying, what can you do here? Because right now what you're doing is great, but it's not actually good enough for us well, to be good. Well, let's see next week against the
1: Chargers. They just put 54 on the Jets. I think it's the week to say good all-around win by the Patriots. Still continue to be excited about what you have in Mac Jones. And, yeah, at some point he's going to have to go win games for you.
0: So let's move on. Only 38% of Mac Jones' uh, pass attempts this season have been beyond the the first down marker. Um,
1: Is that on him, or is that the offense? uh, It's probably a combination.
0: Well, when it gets to third down, it shoots up to, like, 60%, which suggests that, like, Mac Jones would like to pass beyond the sticks. Like, if you say to Mac Jones, hey, we need to actually pick up a first down here, he seems to be perfectly happy to do that. But most of the time, you're not actually targeting those places so put more on mac jones play yes mac jones right now has surpassed almost all reasonable expectations so let's start upping his workload and seeing what he can do because if you if this is the offense you run all the way through the season you will not win enough games to make the playoffs you will not be a contending team this year you have a level you will beat the jets you'll beat the bad teams you're not going to beat the good teams so if you have aspirations beyond that the only way of changing that is to start asking more of Mac Jones and seeing if he can do it
1: particularly in the I mean in the big games they got to play Buffalo twice Chargers next week when they when you, in these big games you got to do it so we'll see yeah, I mean you're right we are a week removed from them only he had 10 attempts against the Cowboys right. late in the third quarter late in the third quarter against one of the best offenses in the NFL there's definitely a something to be said for putting more on mac jones plate at this point um let's go wft packers the football team uh the packers win 24 to 10 what a weird game right I mean, another one of those it's a, it's uh there's a big difference in talent level with each team the packers are clearly the better team they're up for the majority of the game the football team had so many opportunities stopped on fourth downs Taylor Heineck, he's running into the end zone and does the dive thing when he didn't need to and he's down I at the one and they still didn't
0: score. Hate that rule. Hate it. Explain it. Explain it to the people. They changed the rule in recent seasons where before, if you're like, if you a quarterback running forwards and you slid feet first, they would stop your progress from the point you started the slide. But if you dive head first... You were like a live runner and you got whatever the distance was until you were down by contact or broke the plane of the, the end zone or whatever. They changed the rule so that if you go down if you dive forwards and you go down to the ground, you are deemed done whenever you hit the ground. Like you don't need to be touched down by contact in order to stop your forward progress. So Heineke is scrambling for a touchdown for some inexplicable reason, decides to like go to ground in the first place. Like, Stupid play by him. Just keep running. You yeah. score. What doesn't, he just sort of decides to slide, to dive. His knee touches down before the goal line. Before anybody touches him, he crossed the goal line before anybody touches him. But the rule now is the second his knee hits the ground, he's down. And he, he's deemed as giving himself up, even though he's obviously trying to score and not giving himself up on the play. Like i get why they've done it you know to stop essentially the plays where the quarterback dives forward he's on the ground and a defender drills him in the head anyway because you're in theory trying to protect the quarterback but it's just dumb it stop. it's it it literally stopped the touchdown here like heineke scored a touchdown but they don't give it to him because you change the rule where his knee hits the ground, therefore he's down, even though nobody touched him. But it's Heineke's fault. He knows the rule. Don't do that. I mean, it's sort of just his fault. Just run what, into the end zone. It's also just a dumbass rule. Like, That's just fine. Stop it. That's fine.
1: You also know the rule, Heineke. Um, and then he gets stuffed on the QB sneak on the next play. So the football team Sort had of.
0: A, he get, so that was a weird play as well because he got, he reached, He got it, they bashed the ball out, right? He could, tries to sneak. Somebody immediately hits it forces a fumble short of the goal line. He then recovers the fumble and sticks his arm out and crosses the plane. But they're like, no, no, no. The second you recovered the ball, your forward progress was stopped. It's yeah. not a touchdown. <laughs> you can't advance a fourth down fumble, but you can if it's your own. You could. Right? He could advance but said, it, but they said, said that his progress. forward progress had been stopped. Therefore, it was end of play. So they kind of got hosed out of a touchdown twice in about six seconds. Yeah, it was.
1: it was a crazy game. I mean – then you know the football they were down at least two scores in the fourth quarter I think they spent the entire fourth quarter driving it was just it was just an odd game where the football team did again when you're this you're this big underdog against uh, not as big as some of the other teams you need a lot of those things to go right but they kept failing on fourth down over and over and over again Packers got rid of good play by Rasul Douglas at corner strip sack from Rashawn Gary who had some pressure in there
0: that was a really important sequence by the way that the touchdown that should have been the second yeah, touchdown course. that should have been like washington was still in this game at that point um taylor heineke i would suggest has been taking some pointers from ryan fitzpatrick in terms of hey look i get you're trying to play the game you know the right way and do all but look <laughs> just start even at a terry mclaren look i have been the master at the yolo ball find the best player on your offense and just start flinging it in his general direction and good things will happen Trust me, not all the time, but most of the time. So it was like in this game, Heineke had just pivoted to YOLO to YOLO at McLaren whenever you're in doubt. Um, And there were a ton of plays where it was like, it's literally just a jump ball. It's like,
1: 40-yard touchdown, go get it, McLaren. Right,
0: whether or not he's open, we don't care. We're just finding McLaren. We're putting the ball in the air in his vicinity and hoping the good things will happen. So McLaren ends up with 11 targets. The next highest was Ricky Seals-Jones with seven. Nobody else had more than uh, J.D. McKissick at six. But like, that was the offense for a while, was just fling it at McLaren. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing to do. I think if you are a player as limited as Heineke, why the hell not? And honestly, if Heineke wasn't like calibrated to a half Cam Newton level, it might have worked a lot more. Like, everything... <clears throat> He just seemed to be half a yard high on almost every pass. He was very high on a lot of things. Here's what the other
1: thing I noticed, and and this actually coincides. We have a uh, an email that's coming in live on the show from Rockstar Death.
0: Rockstar Death. Yes. Okay.
1: Penalties are a bad grade play, but how do you grade when the penalty is obviously a bad call? What if it's clearly, very clearly a bad call to people who know the game, but you know, still a bit more debatable? Basically, can we, can we, you know blame the refs on the call rather than the player there are plays so when i'm watching heineke and baseball reference here when a pitcher and you'll 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 know this here soon when a pitcher throws below the hitting speed right when just just slower than what you're used to seeing as a hitter it just throws off your timing so if you're just everybody's throwing 95 95 you go and throw an 83 it takes a little time to adjust if you're below the hitting speed when I feel like Heineke throws the ball so slow sometimes, it screws up the wide receiver, the the cornerback interaction. They just, like, get to the catch point early. And there's a a pass interference penalty in this game. I think it was Douglas, Rasul Douglas. Just a normal dig route. He gets there. He actually does a great job not really touching the receiver. Might have his hand on the pocket. Doesn't turn him or whatever. Jumps in front. Knocks it down. And I feel like the refs called it. Just because it felt early, because the ball didn't get there in time. You're, you're used to the ball getting to the receiver in a certain time, but Heineke throws below the hitting speed, so to speak. It's actually inducing penalties that aren't even there. and it, So that coincided nicely with the live email that we had.
0: I, I, don't, I don't know why you have this thing that Tyler His Heineke velocity is poor. As this garbage arm, he really does. His it. velocity like, is there poor. There are quarterbacks in the NFL that have a terrible arm and do not get the ball where it needs to go and anywhere near... His velocity is not speed good. that it needs. There to. are Heineke so, is not one of those. There quarterbacks.
1: are so many passes where he brings the defender into play when they don't need to. He threw he threw a deep an outcut to McLaurin along the sideline where he put it in a great spot. It just should not have been that close. Passing lanes are closing far far more than they should
0: Heineke's problem is not velocity Heineke's problem is that everything he throws I'm not saying it's his problem is half a yard higher than it needs to be and that's why people are making plays on it no, because the, the receiver has to stop, jump in the air to try and get the pass. No, that one you're thinking of. There's there's one
1: specific that happened because the receiver had he came back more than he should have and made it look worse.
0: The one you're talking about, to Douglas, is because the ball is high and back, and Douglas has, can like basically jump no, over the receiver.
1: Wasn't. You're watching that? Yeah, right yeah, now? right
0: now. Let me see it. I no, this this is not an interactive like video. If format. I stand up,
1: they might see I'm wearing sweatpants, so I'm going to stay behind. That would be a real table. shame. We're going to protect
0: it. I'll yeah. check it
1: later. Like that's it, a slow pass.
0: It's not the best velocity in the world, but the issue is that it's high in back and the receiver has to leave the ground and stop running. If the ball was where it was supposed to be, it would be a touchdown. Regardless of velocity. The dig route, it's over the middle of the field. There's one in the end zone. I'm not talking about the end zone one. Well, that's the only one that was broken up. I've looked through his pass breakups and those are the plays. Uh,
1: well, because he had a penalty on the play. He got called for a penalty, so it probably didn't... It's a, it's a nullified play. It may not play. have counted as a, uh, it's as a pass the same breakup. Thing.
0: You just have some hate with taylor i Haynes, think i gave arm. him the pd on the play though okay there is one uh nullified one i'll, Thank I'll you. look at that one you should and, check and that and out let me know tell you uh,
1: anyway pretty nice game for aaron Rodgers. i mentioned this might be the game he grades at 90 he was close uh just again the football team was just really cl- they were just really close on everything just really close they got it they got the packers into a whole bunch of third downs even fourth downs Rodgers, you know, scrambles out, makes a, uh, makes a big play on, on fourth down to find Devontae Adams for the first touchdown. Uh, they took advantage after the strip sack, early second half. Nice throw to, to Bob Tunyon in the end zone. So Rodgers, Bob Tunyon, continues to get back on track here. And, uh, you know, good win for the Packers. I do think they're going to get challenged a little bit more. What do you make? Are you still looking at the play? Yeah. I'm going to ask you what you make of the uh, Packers. I care as much about that play. But if we go back and look. Packers beat the Bengals who you know best team in the AFC so that's a good signature win by the Packers (laughs) but there are other wins after getting destroyed by the Saints the Packers have beaten the Lions the 49ers 30 to 28 the Steelers the Bears 24 to 10 and then the football team 24 to 10 to me there might just not be enough style points here for the Packers and it's not really style points you use how well these guys play the game to determine how good of a team they are, not just wins and losses. Yeah, the Packers have won six straight, but I think this is where they start to get tested.
0: <laughs> what a revolutionary system you have over there. You use how good the team is to determine how good the team is. Yeah. yeah how about um,
1: I didn't even know you were listening. Yeah. I thought it was just me and our audience.
0: I don't know. I don't think we know yet how good the Packers are. It, it feels a little bit like uh, the Packers from a couple of years ago where, you know, they were a 13-3 and team and we were sort of saying...
1: Soft 13-3, and right? Yeah,
0: like it's not as good as a 13 and 3 team and you know when you run up against a team in the nfc championship game you'll find that out they did now i'm not saying that's what this team is but i'm saying we don't know that it isn't yet and right now it feels a little bit like that based off how some of the key players are performing and how the overall level of the team is performing yes they're winning yes they're winning relatively comfortably from a lot of these games but Next, they get to face the Arizona Cardinals. Next, they get to face the Kansas City Chiefs, who are still the Chiefs, even if they're struggling. Seattle, Minnesota, the Rams. Like, this schedule will At tell us. The
1: Ravens, us, another Vikings game, a Browns game. I,
0: right. I, We're going to find out more yeah. for the rest of the season. I'm not saying they won't do exactly the same and look like the same team, but we will find out. It'll be a much better barometer based off how they do against these this next run of teams. If the Packers don't
1: play better football, they're losing four or five of those games three 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 four three four of those games maybe
0: Seahawks maybe if Russ is back I don't know if he's back by week 10 I will make no predictions about that but I will say that that's what will tell us about the Packers not the first six games seven games
1: so that's my takeaway I need better flash
0: from the Packers better flash
1: better flash from the Packers Atlanta 38 Miami Dolphins 28 I tweeted out that we were doing this next right did you say 38 30 to 28 okay 30 to 28 Atlanta yeah uh, Atlanta wins. They tried to falcon it away, but they didn't. Mm. They brought it back in. Matt Ryan with a fumble while they were running out the clock. Dolphins come back, take the lead. Tua and Matt Ryan going head to head, back and forth. Thought Tua played an okay game overall. That he played well. A lot of a lot of his stuff comes on the uh, the old RPO there, Sam. The old run pass option it with does. a little glance. They call it the glance route, the slant route, right behind the linebackers. I think on one hand, do, they, the Dolphins are doing a good job working around Tua, but I feel like they're working around Tua. <laughs> and yeah. that's part of uh, maybe the issues there. He played well overall, though.
0: Matt Ryan, the number one graded quarterback in the NFL over the last three weeks. Three He's weeks? on a stretch weeks. against three of the worst defenses four in weeks. the NFL. Four, weeks four, five, six, and seven, Matt Ryan's number one. Yeah. We love one. doing that. Um,
1: played the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Jaguars?
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, that'll help. <laughs>
1: did they play the Jags? no
0: uh who did they play Giants. Washington New York Jets Washington. Miami Giants or the four no, yeah three. So three or four they teams that had three have... games because he had the London buy
1: some some not so good defensive there but Matt Ryan after really starts starting slow this season continues to you know generally throw the ball accurately and move the chains and Kyle Pitts is really special man
0: Yes, and they're finally starting to – well, not finally. They are tapping into that more than they did over the first few weeks of the season where it didn't look like they really knew how to use Kyle Pitts. Now they're saying – they're understanding that Kyle Pitts isn't just a freaky, talented tight end. Kyle Pitts is an unstoppable receiving weapon regardless of where you line him up in the offense. So now Kyle Pitts is out there lining up as a true number one X wide receiver running against – elite cornerbacks like Xavier Howard and just mossing them at the catch point. like He's beating up safeties as well. He's be, you know doing the same thing to guys like Eric Rowe who was the sort of tight end eraser type of role throughout his career. Kyle Pitts is just unstoppable. He is a freak and the Falcons are using it I'm, and I'm here for it. It is
1: amazing to me. I, look, I know uh, he's, a, he's a tight end in name and they're using him as a receiver more than a tight end in the whole thing it 's still amazing to me just how much he looks like a receiver, right like he's, he is yeah he 's just
0: a big receiver, a huge receiver, long the whole thing if i like, I genuinely think that if we had if he had just been a wide receiver in college we we would be talking about this guy like Megatron, like he is capable of that sort of performance, we would be saying he i think he's i said this at the time he was the best receiver in this draft, right? If you remove position designation for it, or if you just told me he had never played in line in his life, this was just a wide receiver in college, we would be saying this was the number one receiver in this draft ahead of Jamar Chase. And I think Jamar Chase was a phenomenal receiver prospect. I think Devontae Smith was a phenomenal receiver prospect. Kyle Pitts would be the guy that I would have drafted ahead of all those players, and we're starting to see him be used like that. They're just saying, I don't care what position he is we're just using him as receiver
1: yeah i mean he catches a go ball with one hand another go ball that put the the on the game-winning drive go ball against Xavier howard yeah just stacks him gets on top and again just looks like a big smooth oversized receiver so yeah position designation aside doesn't really matter kyle pitts playmaker uh and and look i think russell gage had the big 49 yarder where he got behind the defense Calvin Ridley continues to just really struggle to produce as far as, you know, he caught only four of his 10 targets. It was all underneath stuff for 26 yards. I think that makes the Falcons even scarier. And they didn't, you know, Cordero Patterson had 14 carries for 60 yards. So Gage is a good, solid receiver, mm-hmm. by the way. He's become a pretty good receiver. Ridley, we know, has like top 15, top 20 potential that he's, he's played at that level before. Last year, he played at that level he's still sitting there we see what what they're, what they're doing with pits i'm telling you the falcons continue to get better and better and better now the defense is also a little bit better than it was you know early in the season and maybe last year but they're also beat up and they just don't really have the manpower to get that much better this year i i do love the way the falcons are trending though um granted they haven't played the best teams in the last few weeks. So maybe I'm <laughs> overrating ways. that as well. So if I'm going to do that with Matt Ryan, I mean, it's not the best teams that they're playing, but I think they're starting to figure some things out, figure out where they're... Ta- I, I don't love the way that the roster is in general, but I like where they're trending. So impressive win, we'll say by the Falcons.
0: Yeah, and look, I, they're definitely being helped out by the fact that the teams they've played are not tremendously good. Um, but I think for them... It, it, it's actually important that they had this time against bad defenses to figure out how to use those players. Because earlier in the season, I think one of their biggest problems was just not understanding the playmakers that they had. You had Kyle Pitts, new to the NFL. You drafted him as a tight end, quote-unquote. You didn't really understand what he was supposed to do within this offense. And you were kind of just deploying him as a standard move tight end, right? A guy who going to play more in the slot than he does in line, But it's no different to any other player that's at that position. Um, You have Cordero Patterson, who you sort of treat as this gimmick running back who can move around a little bit. All of a sudden, you sort of realize that actually Kyle Pitts isn't a tight end. He's just a freak athlete who we can play anywhere in the formation, and he will win everywhere. Like, we can treat him as Julio Jones who can play in line, essentially. Um, You've also discovered that Cordero Patterson is your best running back and you're going to give him a ton of carries uh, you're going to give him more responsibility that he had earlier in the season now you're getting calvin ridley back and you're integrating him into the system i think figuring that out against bad defenses is important so that when you face better defenses you at least know what you're supposed to be doing whereas if you had run up against a whole run of good defenses you might never have figured out how to deploy any of these guys
1: yeah i, I i'm excited where the where the potential is there uh so, Atlanta, again, moving in the right direction. I like what you're saying about how they figured it out over these last few weeks. I still expect Ridley to break out at some point. Uh, from a Dolphins perspective, they put up 28 points. Tua, he had an end zone interception, which was a little, little sketchy. Mm. The tight end route versus Tua's decision and the whole thing. Tight end could have run a different route. I think it made it look a lot worse, Sam. But he had his other, and then his other interception, trying to throw the ball under pressure. Another one where like the receiver kind of moves, but it's just, it's just a bad decision by Tua throwing while getting hit. And I think that's part of the problem. If you're talking about the training wheels on Mac Jones, the fact that nine thousand reception, you know, nine thousand of Tua's completions come off of. RPOs and screens. That's yeah. not, it's not exactly nine thousand. The dude completed thirty-two for forty, and the whole thing. But it is it is a safety first passing attack.
0: The, yeah, the problem for Tua. is they're in a different they're in a different spot to the Patriots because this offense almost has to look like that because of everything else around Tua. In addition to Tua, I would say. But like, they're not really in a position to do what the Patriots can of like take the training wheels off go balance on this bike by yourself. You do that to this Dolphins offense with the offensive line that they have, the whole thing is going to collapse, and the kid is going to be on his bike in a ditch somewhere. Like, they have to run this RPO system where the offensive line is protected, where Tua gets rid of the ball really quickly, where you rely on all this kind of stuff, because that's the only way that it survives. So now you're in this weird spot of, okay, it's kind of working, um, but like, what is the ceiling of any of this? Like, where is Tua's ceiling right now? Because right now he's playing reasonable football up until the cataclysmic idiot mistake that he makes every 30 attempts or so, right? Like, the one in this game... He's
1: got 80-plus grades over the last two weeks. They're good, but they're they're also... Like, his positives, the ones that, you know, they're still good throws, they're still good plays, they're open, right? They're open up yeah. coming off of just... And, the, and all play of players. that,
0: he's averaging 7.1 yards per attempt this season. Um, Like, he's he's in this... Right now, he's on that Alex Smith spectrum, except the difference being he puts the ball in harm's way way too, too often, yeah. and they're not like it's not um, it's not Mahomesian type plays where to try and make a big play you're you're taking some risks with the ball. It's like things are going south and you just randomly like run into a blocker and throw the ball at a linebacker. Like you can't cannot ever do that if you're going to be that style of quarterback. So, if you're the Dolphins or if you're anybody looking at Tua as a prospective option, if Miami makes a move for Deshaun Watson, you are looking at this player who has shown to, who has so far looked to be a relatively limited quarterback who has a tendency to do terribly silly things with the football. And I don't know how attractive that is to anybody. Yeah. Like all the things you were bitching about with Taylor Heineke, that's what I see when I see Tua play and i thought his arm was actually okay coming out but everything he does in the nfl to might be thrown so below labored. the hitting
1: speed too i mean his i don't think his I, I didn't like his velocity coming out
0: everything he does in the nfl just looks so difficult like yeah. and also he is the like least athletic athletic quarterback i can remember seeing in a long time he gets into the open field and you think a dude with his speed and quicks and all that kind of thing makes a guy miss and picks up 10 yards nope like, throws a move on him and just gets immediately hogtied by the ankles and put down. Like, that. so you look at two and you think, oh, his athleticism's a plus. I don't, I don't think it is. So you just got a guy who's got a, a marginal arm, who hasn't really shown the ability to push the ball down the field much. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. And who occasionally makes a cataclysmic mistake. What is that? Jimmy Garoppolo. My, initial, like my initial cop. Right. Which is
1: you know spread it around. A lot of times it'll look like he's working quick, which he is working quick, working quick. There's two game. There's two decisions a game or sacks that are taken that are like oh boy, what is that? Two to four of those, and um, it's Garoppolo like, which again you can you can win with, but it takes that 2019 49ers supporting cast which includes a Shanahan which includes a Kittle and a great group of a good offensive line a good running game and a good defense it takes a lot
0: of other things and he's also got an injury history that might be Jimmy G like as well very Garoppolo like so I'm just I mean if you're Miami you're in a tough spot the things that Dan Campbell said about Jared Goff last week you know this is a bad situation to be trying to evaluate a quarterback in on the other hand right if you're it feels similar for Miami like this is a rough spot and because of that, it's really hard to get a good gauge on where Tua is. On the other hand, he's, he needs to stop throwing the ball to linebackers.
1: All that said, I think the biggest disappointment in Miami, as far just based off expectations, is what the secondary is doing, what the back seven is doing, just what the pass defense is doing in general. Xavier Howard had a really good game. Byron Jones uh, gave up a little bit, six catches, into his coverage, uh, Javon Holland got whooped. I think on that that gauge pass, behind it just this is the part of the defense that was supposed to be the strength, and it's been rough. Howard played well yesterday, which is fine. He got beat for the one deep ball by Kyle Pitts. He was like glue. He was like glue to Cordero Patterson. Glue on uh, when Patterson ran wide receiver routes, but that's just one guy.
0: Eight targets, one catch. That one. That catch was the Pitts hits.
1: one. Um, but Howard is fine he's given you know he's given up yards this year just this entire secondary that was heavily invested in we coverage over pass rush and this whole thing the pass rush isn't great either but that was supposed to be what the strength of the team is and they are just not stopping opposing passing attacks well at all so that's to me the biggest disappointment for the dolphins this year all right where else are we gonna go here i I tweeted out let me see what did i say on the tweet (laughs) panthers giants okay <clears throat> it was five to three Giants for a while. Yeah. In this one. Uh they pull away though to win twenty-five to three. A couple of fives on the score sheet at some point yesterday. Yeah, Arizona mm-hmm. had a five over the Texans. Can't wait to talk about that game too. Uh twenty-five to three, Giants beating the Panthers. Giants move to two and five. Panthers fall to three and four. That's their fourth straight loss. Sam Darnold gets benched after averaging four point four yards per attempt, getting sacked three other times gets benched for pj walker who was worse going three for 14 and as i said at the top of the show this feels like the panthers might just be uh dialing up the texans right now in the deshaun watson deal i mean are they just fed up with the darnold experience through seven games
0: yeah it has been reported that like all of a sudden carolina is involved in the deshaun watson thing um the report was something like i think it was from joe person maybe who said like all along it's been said that the panthers were not involved in the deshaun watson discussions unless something changed and something changed in this game essentially Darnell was so wretched in this game that they've decided screw it there is no answer on this roster what can we do yeah and the what can we do at this point is deshaun watson and i don't know if this is like a a short or long-term move like They've been making moves as if they think they're a playoff team. The Stefan Gilmore thing, right? Like they think or thought that they're a playoff team this year. And is this all of a sudden Darnold stinks so much? They're like, well, that can't happen. You like called them not- out on that
1: during Gilmore
0: Week. They were three and one that when they made that move, right? I think.
1: I don't if remember you, when
0: it happened.
1: I mean, they had a winning record. Like yeah, they, were, they started three and zero. Oh. They were either right. three and one or three and two, I think, at the time. Might have been
0: three and two, I think,
1: and. Even then it was like ah are they really that good? Are they are the Panthers really that good? The defense has been better and all yeah. that stuff. Darnold was playing well through three weeks.
0: But like is this is this the is this a move along the same lines of we still think we're a playoff team, but all of a sudden the playoffs are getting further away in the distance, so we need to fix the quarterback With Watson? Who just stunk. No, see it- Watson is eligible right now. No, no,
1: that's fine. But they they're not making a Deshaun Watson move to salvage
0: 2021 it's I because know. i mean it's not like it's it's mutually exclusive right like short term is also long term but sure but you my my feeling on the
1: panthers regime here is we spend all offseason saying you gotta uncover every rock looking for a quarterback and draft yeah, they, a million of <laughs> them they and didn't <laughs> they kind of did though i i think you know they they spent last year evaluating teddy bridgewater and they said okay we're done you're on the trading block we're sending you out then they, they evaluated Sam Darnold. Now, the mistake here with Sam Darnold is picking up his fifth-year option because next year they're on the hook for over $18 million, almost $19 million for Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. when they didn't necessarily need to pick up that option. And they were hedging that they were going to make him look so good they were going to get him on the cheap, really. Right, we're going to get him on the cheap for $18 million because he's going to hit the open market and make that.
0: But you were then going to need to pay him anyway. Like, it's not like... Yeah, but maybe do for if
1: you? he was so good, he'd be making twenty four million. I, I don't know. All I don't literally,
0: know all doing. that do, does for you is save you the difference between the fifth year option and the franchise tag.
1: I think that it was a mistake. I think to to pick up the fifth year option on Darnold, but at the same time, it was like, well, if we're going to, eval- you know, we're going to evaluate him and just let him walk. Like we don't, you know, they hedged a lot, or they just got aggressive, a lot on Darnold. It's a mistake. Yeah. It is an absolute mistake.
0: I mean, trading for him was a mistake. But,
1: but I would say the 5th option was another mistake. I would say they looked at Teddy Bridgewater. They looked at Sam Darnold. The, the three guys, the two guys that they passed on in the draft were Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Uh, so you could say they didn't unlock. You know, they didn't uncover every rock. They had two options at two of the other first-round quarterbacks. Sure, that's fine. That's fair. But I think I just think that they were in on Matthew Stafford, right? They were in on Carson Wentz. They are going. They're looking everywhere for quarterbacks so to me it's just we have to solve this quarterback situation long term they want to be in on Watson
0: but the idea that something changed this weekend like what changed Darnold still stinks Darnold stacked. Enough last week
1: enough to get enough to get benched against the Giants defense that hasn't been great this right year.
0: but like I just it Did, feels a very questionable process to me to be like oh this week Darnold was so bad that we've decided Deshaun Watson is an option whereas last week Darnold was just regular. Watson bad. was
1: an option. This just this just feels. Well, that's like... not what
0: the report is. The report is they were not interested in Deshaun Watson until. Oh really? Until this changed this weekend, Darnold changed the process.
1: Because you had three games of pretty good Darnold, and you had three games of not so good, and this was the tiebreaker. The and, tiebreaker. And he like he was bad enough to get benched against right? the Giants.
0: Yeah, it was bad. But like this was Sam <laughs> Darnold. This is inevitable.
1: That's what changed. I mean, so the Panthers right. Panthers are gonna throw all their all their first round picks at it. How awesome. about them Giants though? I don't know. Hanging tough. You Hanging tough Jones? here with their second win.
0: Daniel Jones with a one handed snag. That catch? was an
1: incredible throughout catch. Incredible catch by Daniel Jones. Is he gonna grade above eighty?
0: Yeah, he is. He's back up eighty. Eighty this week. Hmm. So he's 77.2 overall in the season, moving back up. I, t- I swear to God, that one game against the Rams is going to cost me lunch. It's going to cost you lunch. Let's <sighs> see. We'll see.
1: Jones, Jones has more turnover-worthy plays in him. He's only got seven on the year.
0: Yeah, and three of them came in that Rams game. He's
1: got more turnover-worthy plays in him this year.
0: I, Jones is legitimately a pretty good quarterback at this point, and we'll get no credit for it because the situation around him is still pretty rough. It is. The uh,
1: offensive line continues to be beat up and depleted. But, man, I think – I don't know. Giants are hanging around. I don't have much else to say about this game. <laughs> Giants are hanging around at 2-5. and five. They're tied at 2-5 and five with the Eagles and the football team. The NFC East is the Cowboys and a whole bunch of, you know, not, not as fe- – are the Giants back to feisty defensively?
0: Or I mean, just- yeah, when they face Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, for this – like the story coming out of this game, though, is the Carolina season was a complete myth for the first three weeks. They're not very good at all. They have no quarterback. Their the rest offensive of the team line. is not great. Let's let's make more Donald excuses. He
1: still has never played behind a good offensive line. Yeah, Aziz Ogulari, Leonard Williams, dominant up front. Well, on the, the other Giants.
0: side, Daniel Jones is not playing behind a good offensive line. No, he's, he's not looking fine. He's not like darn. Like the yes. That was our concern heading into the year, right? Okay, this is the best group of receivers Sam Darnold has ever played with. On the other hand, this offensive line looks really bad. It's four bad players and Taylor Moton. Yeah. Now that has been the case, but that didn't stop Darnold playing well for the first three weeks. I don't think the offensive line is the thing that is causing Sam Darnold to look like the same Sam Darnold he's been for his entire life. No, I know, I get it.
1: Uh, Matt Parrot came in. He was he was filling in for. Uh... Andrew Thomas had a really nice game at left tackle. Everyone else, not so much. <laughs> so the Giants' offensive line was good at one spot at left tackle yesterday from a pass protection standpoint. Matt Skorra, Billy Price, Will Hernandez, and Nate Solder, all grading under 60 from a pass blocking standpoint.
0: The Giants might be in that spot that uh, that we thought the Ravens were in. Like at the first – you remember they, they've got two left tackles and no right tackle. Parrott can only play left. Right. If Parrott can only play left, Thomas can only play left. and Yeah, and, and Solder – Maybe best on the left. They might have three left tackles and no right tackle. It's like 10,000 left tackles when all you need is a right. It's the NFL these year, these days. It does appear to be that way, right? All those teams were teams with multiple left Where's tackles Mitchell? and no right tackle.
1: Mitchell. The right tackle market is depleted. Get Mitchell back he's off the, uh, out bar- of the kitchen.
0: He's barbecuing ribs and stuff. He's got no time for this crap. I know. He's living the life. Just eat, There's got to be food. a team out there somewhere with like, multiple right tackles and no left tackle. You would think someone. Just to even it up, right? And then this is just a trade waiting to happen.
1: Thanks to everybody who's sitting in the YouTube chat. Love being live with you guys. Don't be afraid to hit that thumbs up button. Help it go viral. (laughs) I'm trying to get you to go viral. I told everybody that you compared Kyle Pitts to Megatron. Okay. So that'll get people here. Oh, yeah, definitely. What other games have we not discussed yet? Let's see. We got that one, that one, that one, this one. Only a few more. Let's go to the four o'clocks here. The other four o'clocks. Vegas, 33. Eagles twenty two. Derek Carr didn't miss. He missed three times. Thirty one of thirty four passing against the soft Eagles coverage. But it wasn't just that, dude. Derek Carr continues to make incredible throws down the field. Forty three yard back shoulder to Zay Jones. Derek Carr's throwing the ball pretty well, man. He is, yeah. Um dome quarterback
0: now. They get the nice dome in Vegas. Helps helps the pass game. Does look like a nice dome. Yeah. I haven't been there, but I've seen it from the outside. Yeah. Um yeah, like when when the offensive line is not a problem that offense is really good now i think that's a bigger concern like that's true for a lot of teams but i think it's a bigger concern for the raiders than it is for a lot of teams um the offensive line held up pretty well in this game but it hasn't held up well in every game and those are the issues i think so in this game their offensive line was actually moving people. Like they've had one of the worst run blocking units in the NFL as well. They were just bulldozing the Philadelphia Eagles at times. All of a sudden, they had a run game, which is going to be massively helpful um, to the passing game. They had 120 rushing yards with no plays. They had 119 with uh, the plays that actually counted. Um, I think when you have that platform, that Raider like Derek Carr is a really good quarterback now as long as he's not running for his life
1: and they spread the ball around a ton right I mean they, you know Fabian, um, Foster almost said Fabian mm. Foster Moreau <laughs> six catches for 60 yards right I mean he's he's the guy leading the leading the way they I find a
0: touchdown tonight. it was
1: sick he was just it was just good overall it was a great game Carr had the early interception and after that the Raiders really weren't stopped After the early red zone interception, and that's the other thing—they were in the red zone, right? It's not—you don't take out that play. I'm just saying they moved the ball pretty easily against the Eagles here, Um, and then the pass rush, the defense, the whole thing—you know, getting after it against the Eagles. Uh, Good all around win for the Raiders. And now I think when you're looking at their season, they lost—they lost to the Bears a few weeks back. That was in the middle of the drama and stuff like that. They're two weeks removed from Gruden being fired here. But you have to wonder how much that Bears game at home maybe was affecting their uh, you know focus and the whole thing. That was one of their losses against a Bears team that the more we learn about them, they're, they're really not all that good.
0: Yeah, but they do have a defensive line that's capable of causing you real problems, um, particularly if you have a bad offensive line. So the, Ra- like, yeah, the Bears fair. are not good, but they do match up pretty well in terms of being able to cause this Raiders offense and problems. Um, and I think there are going to be teams like that. Like The Raiders are a pretty good team, and they're a pretty good offense, but when you run up against a defensive line that can just destroy a your, the weak links you have on your offensive line, you're going to get exposed, and you're going to have a tough day at the office. I think the Raiders are going to have a few games like that this season. Um, the other interesting thing from this game was the Raiders' pass rush. So first decent test that max crosby has had this season first good right tackle he's played all year long he played pretty well yeah he was Uh, fine yeah like a notable step down from like all pro level but he had four total pressures he was uh in on a hit a few hurries he had a couple of wins as well on plays that weren't um that didn't get to be pressure he had like the dive over the top at the goal line to stop a qb sneak um he was like pretty good that i would say generally speaking When you have elite pass rush runs up against elite pass blocking, elite pass blocking wins. It shuts down the elite pass rush. So for him to have four pressures and a pretty good game overall against a guy as good as Lane Johnson, I would say is a really good indication that, okay, he might not be the best pass rusher in the NFL, like he looked for the first six weeks of the season, but he is for real. Like he is going to play at a very high level all season long. And then the other side – Yannick Ngakwe was a monster. Had eight total pressures. Was a beast. He had his best
1: game since week one against the Ravens. And yeah, like my concern with Ngakwe in free agency this offseason was he's not that he's not that versatile. He was a little bit lower in our rankings because you don't. He's not one of those guys you move around or anything. But when you just throw him at right end and say, hey, use your speed, get up the field, play the pass. He's never graded well against the run. Never will change probably. Uh, he's been effective, man. He's been a good complement to the great Max Crosby on the other side. So
0: beat the great Jordan Mylata a bunch of times. I know he did. I, that's that's an interesting Still learning one. football. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one because as much as Ngakwe is kind of a one trick pony, it can be a very effective one trick. And if you haven't quite figured out how to stop it, you could have a really l- rough day at the office. That sort of feels what what that was for Mylata. I think he has the athleticism and the skills to go to match a guy like. In uh, but hadn't yet figured out how it works. You know what I mean? I would imagine if they played again in like six weeks' time, Mylata would play much better against Ngakwe than he did in this game. But he got pretty well wrecked.
1: So yeah, I'm look. I'm impressed. Look, it's it's the Eagles, whatever Raiders. They're four, five and two team now. Took care of business, right? They're tied for the best record in the AFC. And uh, Car was Car was really good. Car going to be. But at the end of this weekend, probably I think it's a top three passing grade in the NFL right now, and I do love the way all those weapons are coming together. Zay Jones had that one catch uh, for 43 yards. That was an absolute laser by Carr, but he had he had, he was the league leader in big time throws coming into this. This was a different game where uh, this is what the Eagles make you do. They make you kind of throw the ball underneath and spread it around, and the Raiders did that, did it well. And when you go 31 for 34 for 323 and a couple scores uh, pretty solid game by Carr wasn't sacked just really good clean game from him other than that red zone interception
0: are you any closer to having any idea what the hell Jalen Hurts is
1: no because he doesn't I feel like so much of his production is in garbage time and or when the game's out of hand but even then there are impressive things in there right he does make impressive throws where the game's not on the line but is that his fault, or is it just like within the flow of the like because when, when, it's not like de- defenses play prevent quote unquote prevent they don't just sit there and give you fifteen yard completions over and over again at the end of the game it's not the truth like they still play real defense for the most part it's just generally a little bit softer and I feel like Hertz has benefited that from that a little bit and he's had some games where things are just so inconsistent in the when win probability is tighter you know earlier in the game. So no, all that's t- I don't know. I mean, again, he added added some run game value, made some nice throws, misses others, he takes some sacks.
0: He it's seems Tyrod. to be <laughs> he, he seems to be a quarterback who so overall, his numbers and his production and his grade and all these kinds of things, they're gonna end up looking reasonably good, but he has like the opposite of what Justin Herbert has where, you know, Herbert is amazing at all the high-leverage situations that are typically not sustainable. Uh, Hertz seems to be terrible at all the high-leverage situations. Like, his grade on third and fourth down is like 45, whereas it's in the 70s overall. So, like, despite like the situations where he's been dragged down by the third and fourth grades, it's still good enough to be in the 70s. Like, he's actually really quite good at the other stuff. But it's, And I think that's why you get a lot of people being like, you know, hurt you get a lot of people being like hurts is terrible. Yeah. Because it's the high leverage plays that he screws up and you're like, ah like when he misses, it's on a third down where he, you needed to have it and you didn't, and now the, you gotta punt the ball. The
1: right. legit opposite of what Eagles fans saw from 2017 went. Yeah. The last time their non false quarterback
0: played at an elite level. Right. So I think because of those plays, like those are plays that skew perception. If you're really good on those plays. People think you're amazing if you're really bad on those plays people think you suck and the, the reality for both those types of players is you're probably somewhere in the middle so Hertz's grade on first and second down is actually 81 which is a pretty good place to be uh but then on third and fourth down it drops to 45 um so i think hertz is probably better than the perception right now but i'm still not convinced he's good enough for you to roll with going forward the other weird dynamic with Hertz is they don't seem to want or have a running game like he is the running game he has double the carries of anybody else on the team now okay Miles Sanders got hurt twisted his ankle in the game so you can say well that might skew you away from giving running backs the ball but they've been doing this for weeks now like at some point it feels like you might actually want to have some more design carries in there in, in instead of just asking Hertz to be your offense so it's a great point ab- about that because the
1: value of having a running quarterback is to also open up your run game and make it more efficient right so even if if, if Hertz is going to have seven or eight design carries per game there is value in that if your other running backs are getting carries and just the uh, the having to account for Hurts is opening things up for those guys. Plus, the offensive line's been all over the place as far as injuries go, but historically the Eagles, when Lane Johnson's out there and Jason Kelsey and Mylotta, those are that's a good run-blocking group. So that is potentially a strength of your team. And look, I, I know we always talk about now to protect a young quarterback, you're supposed to pass more and do it on early downs and stuff. But you do want to get away. You don't want to put everything on Jalen Hurts converting third downs. Right, you do want to make that life a little bit easier, um, so I do think they're taking some of his potential advantage away. Uh, because I thought I thought this offense would look more like the taste offense, right? As we had talked about the taste offense last year, with it's a little ugly sometimes passing, but there's run game value in the whole thing, and we just haven't seen that to this point.
0: Yeah, and they're not even like. They are calling designed runs for Jalen Hurts, but they're not the runs you would expect for a team with a mobile, I don't want to say option quarterback because that's not what he is, but you know, a quarterback that allows you to run read option, run pass option, all these kinds of things. like Athletic quarterbacks that can also throw that open up a chapter of the playbook that teams that don't have those guys can't, can't access. Um, so, if you have a guy like that like Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or any of these types of quarterbacks you would expect to see a ton of RPOs you would expect to see a ton of read option mechanics and you're not like none of their run plays um for their carries for Jalen Hurts were option mechanics which means nine of them were not yeah. not that many were scrambles like they are calling designed run plays that are not causing defense is the kind of stress that you can cause with those things. So I just I don't quite understand what they're trying to do on offense. Is my I guess my overall point here? Yeah,
1: I'm kind of with you. And look, I always made the point about Jalen Hurts. He's not a dynamic runner. He's just a good. He's Tyrod. Ty, Tyrod's more dynamic runner, I think, than Jalen Hurts. He's just a good straight line. He'll if you leave a straight line to run, and he runs fast enough to pick up eight or nine when another guy maybe picks up five i mean it just to me that's him as a runner he's a solid runner but you can use him as you know in the run game so i think the eagles have some work to do maybe to take a little bit off of jalen's plate it i mean it feels similar to what we said about lamar when it's just not enough production coming from other people around him
0: the interesting thing to me though is so um you know darius butler is on our pff live show on sunday's writes a column for BFF as well, has a good podcast. You should check him out. He's on Twitter. Uh, Darius was saying, like, he's kind of disappointed by Jalen Hurts so far this season because he came into the year with, like, high expectations, thinking, oh, based off last season, you know, Jalen Hurts could really take a step forward and propel this offense somewhere, Um, and he's kind of bummed about how he's been performing so far. And I was saying it's funny, like, you know, the way – what you think of a movie going into it completely yes. t- changes what you think. Right. If you think a movie's going to be good and it's like, meh, you, you come away thinking it sucked. Whereas if you have zero expectations for the, for the thing and you're like, Oh, that was actually pretty good. Like I, that's kind of how I feel with Jalen hurts. I came into the season with zero expectations that hurts would show anything in terms of a potential starting career going forward. And I'm therefore like pleasantly surprised by how he's played so far. It's not perfect. But I yeah. I see a way bigger percentage that he can be a viable starting quarterback going forward now than I did seven weeks ago. And First what, contract guy.
1: I'm okay with him on the first contract. But what's
0: really interesting about the Eagles now is that they've amassed all this draft capital and might not have a quarterback to spend it on. Like, this mm-hmm. college group of quarterbacks does not look like a home run. And if the Eagles have all these top ten picks, I don't know that you can throw them on the quarterback. So... You're in this world now where seven weeks into the season, Jalen Hurts has not looked incredible, has not looked terrible, and you have this slightly weird offense where I'm not quite sure what it's trying to do. I think you have 10 weeks now to try and craft an offense around Jalen Hurts that makes sense with the possible option of being able to like actually roll with him as a starter next year with an improved supporting cast around him and then figure out quarterback in the future if it doesn't pan out i think that might be the
1: play add add as much talent as possible roll with jalen on the rookie contract maybe he continues to maybe he exceeds my expectations your expectations which again came in a little bit lower maybe he continues to improve um and then when you do get to you know extension time you, you, you play the field. Maybe, you know, you grab Aaron Rodgers for a couple years. Or you, you know, Deshaun Watson or Russ. or you, know, you keep all of those high-end options open. You keep looking in the draft. But I don't know. Maybe you roll with Hurts here on the, uh, the rookie contract. Either way, the Eagles are 2-5. and five. Impressive win by the Raiders at 5-2. and two. Nice job by Derek Carr. Got to give that Derek Carr credit, man. He's having a really nice season. All right, a couple more games to discuss. This will be quick. A couple beatdowns here. Arizona Cardinals 31-5. <laughs> to five. Over the Houston Texans, and the uh, can we roll these together? The Bucks. Now we'll talk Bucks separately. Thirty-one to five, Arizona wins against the Houston Texans. It was uh, five to two at, five to three at one point, mm. whatever it was. I don't know. It was close at one point. Then Arizona pulled away, including a Zach Ertz forty-seven yard touchdown. So the middle of the field, there was a Zach. There was an interception thrown to Zach Ertz. There was also the long touchdown. But again, I'm impressed. Uh, Kyler Murray's intermediate passing, middle of the field passing. Just a huge turn of events for this Arizona offense this year.
0: This game felt like such a grind for Arizona. Like, it it's felt it. the whole way through that this was like a close, hard fought game that was just such a brutal, um, like, labored at effort by Arizona. And then ultimately, they end up like completely out of sight and it wasn't even close. Um, like, Kyler Murray took some hits in this game that he really shouldn't have taken. Obviously, he was kind of a fault for the safety where he was doing some crazy things in the end zone didn't get out yeah um but there were a bunch of plays where he was trying to do that kind of run around behind the line of scrimmage thing and make magic happen and the texans did a really good job of just penning him in and eventually nailing him and he took a couple of shots that you thought at one point might put him out of the game didn't but i don't know i'm i'm it's very difficult to know what to do with a game where you think the Texans actually made a really good fist of like, stopping Arizona, and yet it ends up being you know a massive <laughs> blowout. Um, other than to say that like, it's another game where Arizona absolutely answered what the questions that were asked of them. Like, they did. All the way through the season, that's been the story for Arizona. People keep questioning them, and they keep coming up with answers and looking as good as ever. This was a different type of game but it was questions thrown their way in terms of it's physical, it's not being easy, you're in this sort of tough, awkward situation, and ultimately you just keep on hammering away and end up pulling away comfortably.
1: I think it's another game, too, that just shows the different – it's the different ways Arizona can win offensively. Uh, Yeah, nice job by their defense and the whole thing. Davis Mills. The Texans' offense is overmatched. Texans' defense is really overmatched, too, but um, when you can – Run the ball. Uh, you know, Chase Edmonds and James Conner both had over 60 yards through, uh, on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins got open for what should have been a, another touchdown. Kyler overthrew him, but you have got Nuke who can create those big plays. Zach Ertz randomly comes in and creates the big play. AJ Green led the, you know tied with Ertz for the most yards. They're they're all getting open and they're all creating plays. They didn't even need Rondell in this game, right? They didn't even need to use him all that much. So there's all these different ways to win and on top of that they haven't used they haven't had to use Kyler in the run game as much he took those four sacks which as you mentioned I mean he was spinning into them and just taking some negative plays that he would probably want back Um, and honestly I think that was a big part of what held Arizona down it seems like the, the snapping has been an issue at center with no Rodney Hudson it's either it's either coming early Kyler's dropping it it's a it's a bad snap over his head I mean they're you know losing drives because of bad snaps over these last couple of weeks that's all that's one of the things that's holding down this offense so yeah they stumbled into 31 points in a game that was an uncomfortable it, it, uncomfortable probably for Cardinals fans who wanted you know just domination from start to finish but that's a good thing too yeah. right the fact that you that you could do that on on not your best week you could still score 31 it shows what this offense is capable of
0: definitely like i that's what i'm saying i think this is a good sign that a completely different style of challenge Um, Arizona absolutely answered. They were in this tough, hard-fought battle early in the game and then just kept on going. And whereas Houston didn't really have anything on top of that, the Cardinals kept on showing that this is a very, very difficult offense to try and slow down. Kyler Murray was incredible again. He was really good under pressure, but he was barely under pressure. The Texans weren't able to get much heat on him at all, and he was really good when he wasn't pressured. So kyler murray is absolutely i think in the mvp conversation through seven weeks he looks fantastic and a big part of that is the cardinals have now surrounded him with enough receiving weapons that how do you stop this
1: kyler murray now becomes is he the next linear growth quarterback in the along the along the josh allen lines we have literally seen kyler murray get better every year um he's one of the highest graded passers on that I keep mentioning the 10- to 19-yard range, the intermediate range, just because it was such a weakness for him through two years. It was like short game, deep game, everything in between was not great. Now, now it's good. We're seeing specific improvement in a specific area that they needed to, and it is one of the most difficult offenses to defend in Arizona right now. So I'm with you. MVP conversation, absolutely, for Kyler Murray. Uh, Bucks 38, Bears 3. feels a little closer than it actually was, to be honest. Yeah bucks probably could have scored 60 with all those short fields uh justin fields sacked four times three strip sacks and three interceptions in there um uh, so the bucks absolutely dominated this game the bucks offense started their drives in chicago territory like five times whatever it was uh tom brady throws touchdown number 600 a couple more after that mike
0: evans gives the ball away mm. not smart dude that's fine like gave it away to some fan and then everybody realized that actually that was the six hundred touchdown ball somebody needs to go get that back yeah so what was it it was reported what the guy got he got like a thousand dollars or something in gift in couple like gift shop vouchers yeah. right so it's not even like it cost them anything um a couple of jerseys i think yeah a couple of like and a, and a replacement match ball <laughs> no Invisible. no no. you see we're gonna we're gonna take the one that's worth something and give you this crappy one Here's that's worth one. nothing yeah. instead oh yeah i'm yeah, sure um some guy was, like, on Twitter saying that ball is worth, like, $500,000. Like, that guy gave away a fortune. We, who gets the ball? Is it going to the Hall of Fame? Does Tom Brady just Brady's want it? Brady's going to keep it.
1: I mean, either way. It's for the trophy yeah, cabinet.
0: I, I think it's worth half a million, right? That's what apparently, like, on the memorabilia marketplace, that's, like, the starting. That's what it's worth to begin with.
1: Romo and Nance, I think they were saying it took the entire commercial break to negotiate. So. The guy worked hard to get his thousand dollars and couple jerseys. Not of hard enough. No, not hard mean, enough.
0: I'm just saying, when the guy comes over and is like, uh, "That ball, can we have it back?" And he, so you know, he hands the ball back. I would be handing my cell phone number to him to start the negotiations after the game. Like, no, 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 no. This, this is mine now. You make me offers. Talk to my lawyer. Right. To yeah. Talk to my representative. I'm going to need an offer that starts pretty high and a replacement ball, a thousand dollars worth of gift. Yeah, I would have vouchers. found security. Said, not going to cover it. This has
1: been a fun game. It's fourteen nothing. I'm leaving. Right, <laughs> I'm going home, protecting my 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 five hundred thousand. In this jacket is he's, a, he's a, holding a nice suburban house uh-huh. in his hands, pretty much. And he gave it away for a jersey. And I anyway, hope, hope they take care of him a little bit more than that. Right.
0: Yes, anyway. I mean, look, it's better than nothing, right? I'm just saying it's not $500,000, which you might have made on the football.
1: From a Bucks, we'll talk Bucks really quick. Uh, they moved to 6-1. and one. Brady missed a bunch of throws. <laughs> wasn't, his, wasn't his cleanest game. A couple nice ones down the field, whatever. Uh, they could have scored a bunch of touchdowns. They left, they left some plays on the table. They are running the ball. Much better. This was like weeks adds more more weapon uh more weaponry here to the offense.
0: This was like the worst game of Brady's season, and he still had four touchdowns, five big time throws, um and won the game, you know, by thirty five points. Yeah.
1: He missed missed some open ones. They had no Gronk, they had no Antonio Brown. Didn't seem to matter.
0: Right. They also had no cornerbacks. They also had no cornerbacks. They, uh, they're still without, like, most of their starters. Obviously, Richard Sherman gets injured a week and a half or whatever after they signed him. Um, D Delaney has been starting. Dee Delaney gets injured. They were pick. down to, like, nobody. And the Chicago Bears couldn't complete a pass. Yeah. This was the game. This was pretty close to the Cleveland game in terms of this offense is just not – it can't work. It's dead. It's, it's toast. Um, and it wasn't even all the blitz. Like, heading into the game, this was one of those games where Justin Fields was the second-worst-graded quarterback in the NFL against the Blitz. The only one worse was Davis Mills, and the Bucks are the most Blitz-happy team in the NFL. This sort of had death by Blitz written all over it. Um, and while Justin Fields certainly didn't play well and didn't play well against the Blitz, they didn't actually Blitz him that much. Um, it was like a third of his dropbacks. We're blitzes. What do we got? 18 dropbacks out of however many he had in total, 43. So okay, near, a bit more than a third, a little less than 40 percent. Have you got the percentages? You're good at that kind of stuff. What was head. it again? 18 out of 43.
1: Oh, that's just such an uneven one. That's yeah,
0: yeah. That's why I gave you a ballpark range instead like of the number. 40, 41 percent. Okay, maybe. 41. So it's a, it's a high number, but not. It could have been worse 18, against the most blitz happy team in the NFL. How close was I? <laughs> But in that, divided by 40, in those snaps,
1: 41.9%. Well done. How about that?
0: Justin Fields just looked, he looked lost. He looked overwhelmed. He looked dead in the water.
1: There are unblocked pressures. And again, when there's an unblocked pressure, you don't, I, I didn't go back and evaluate the tape. You can generally deduce who it's on, right? If it's a back that didn't read it out, or if a back free releases when he's not supposed to, or sometimes the quarterback is hot off of an unblocked rusher. He got popped, though. Um, there was another one where it was like, hey, it's the offensive line's fault, right? The pressure's there in about two seconds. But Tony Romo did a great job breaking it down. Another one, I, I got to go back and watch it closer again, but it's quick game. Usually a lot of QB reads are like, when you see this, you start on this side of the field. If you see that, you start on the other side of the field. It looked like Fields was getting to the right open, wide open receiver, but he started on the wrong side of the field. So if he started on the right side of the field, he's got a tight end, quick little five-yard stick route, get rid of it, ball's out. But he started on the other side, he worked back to the tight end where he should have started anyway, and he gets strip-sacked. So it's one of those where it's like, it's bad on the offensive line because the pressure was there really quick. But field's reading the wrong side of the field. Um, Don't completely quote me on this. I'll go back and confirm it. But if he's reading the right side of the field, the ball's out. So that's where... We, we, the, the analytics community said, always likes to say sacks are a QB stat, which the analytics community also likes to just make blanket statements that are broad <laughs> that make it sound like that's true 100% of the time where it's not. Um, what it actually means, what the analytics community means, is that sacks are more on the quarterback over time than they are on the offensive line. It doesn't mean that the offensive line isn't to blame for some or whatever. Um, but this has been a concern for Fields taking hits, sacks, Four yesterday, three strip sacks. Uh, he he just he does look overwhelmed. And this is this is a Bucks defense. It's a it's one of the best teams in the NFC, Super Bowl champion and all that stuff. They've also been carved up, yeah. much of the season and depleted, as you said. It's a great defensive front, but the secondary has been carved up a lot th- th- other than the last two weeks, um, and beat up by injury. And the Bears' offense had zero chance in this one.
0: It did. Um, Fields' process is just not good at the moment. Like there's a the play where he gets fum or strip sacked by it was a JPP, clubs it out from behind. And if you're just sort of looking at the point where where the fumble occurs, you're like, ah, oh, there's nothing Fields could do. Like he, his right tackle gets whooped. He's in the throwing motion. He had no shot. But if you sort of look at how that play broke down, he's reading one side of the field first, the side the blitz is coming from then doesn't like what he sees there, turns to the other, completely the other side of the field. Like, normally your progression kind of takes you left, middle, right, you know, slowly across the yeah. field. Not like we're reading one side over here, and now we're flipping like 180 degrees to the other side of the field. Does that, then sees his right tackle is in trouble, tries to go all the way back again, and gets strip-sacked. It's like, what? what, how did you imagine, like, just... Talk me through what you thought was going to happen here. You know, when they, you get this a lot where a coach and a player sort of sit down. What did you see here? You know, what what was going through your, I I want to understand what your thought process was. I would love to hear him talk out this play and be like, how, (laughs) explain to me what you thought was going to happen here. Once you turned away from the side, you saw the immediate pressure coming to back to the side you'd already bailed on and tried to throw the ball. Like how, come on, this is not. The this internal clock's just here. not
1: great. He show, like, There are other times where it's boom, 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 gets rid of it quick. There's just too many plays where the internal clock's just not great. Uh, Joe Flacco had a lot of that throughout his career. I thought Joe Flacco was oblivious in the pocket, but he yes. also just worked slowly when it came to progressions and all that stuff, right?
0: The concern here, though, is... This whole season has always been about what is best for Justin Fields and his development as a future starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, which everybody assumes he is. This was a game that definitely didn't help, no, at all. And late in the game, they're getting pounded. Justin Fields is getting buried, and I was like, "Why is he still in the game?" And there are people like, "Oh, he needs the reps." He does not need those reps. Like, I don't think so. Either. Those reps were not helping anybody. And it feels like whatever about the offense being workable and like this idea that that the first game, like they were sabotaging Justin Fields, right? So that he could look bad. So they like, I told you, Andy Dalton was the, the, the guy to start all. It's a
1: lot of theories to protect Fields so far. Right,
0: that's kind of crazy. But I will say that this was a game where he was not helped by his offense. Yeah. And there's a degree to which you owe the guy a duty of care to protect him better than you're protecting him right now now it also turns out that for the second week in a row he thought he had a free play and didn't apparently this time he didn't get a guy to jump with a hard count but apparently this doesn't even make sense now that i think about it but apparently the guy was in his ear saying they had 12 men on the field so they snapped it early and they didn't or at least the flag didn't come out for it so he threw
1: i mean if that's true that's just bad overall
0: yes it's bad it is um But that means for the second week in a row, essentially, he's had one ridiculous turnover-type play where he thought he had a free play. Now, there's also a degree to which, you know, like the point in a free play is to still complete the pass, not to just throw it to the opposition because you're going to get a penalty. Um, But, like, if you're coming out of this game and you're Chicago and you're like, okay, Tampa Bay is a tough defense, but we're going to face a few more of those throughout the season, we've got to figure something better than this out. Like, this... This is Not not only is it bad for the team, generally, we're just getting our ass beat, but this cannot be helping Justin Fields long-term. This is damaging, and that's the worst thing that you could do right now is damage the quarterback that is supposed to be the starter long-term.
1: I, I don't even know if this is a bad run of defenses or not, but they have the 49ers coming up. Yeah. They have the Steelers coming up in Week 9. They can always get after you with the blitz, even though they're not doing that as much this year. You got the Ravens in Week 11. Eh, maybe they're not as – they're going to blitz a lot. They're uh-huh. going to come after you, but I don't know if they're as good as we may have thought. Then you get the Lions on Thanksgiving. You no, but, like, nice all Lions, these
0: teams yeah. are, like, worst-case scenario, right? Because you're not even thinking what is that defense like against an offense that's viable. You're like, if they can get after us or if they can blitz, how bad is it going to get? So the Steelers – will wreck that offensive line. The Ravens will definitely send the house and wreck that offensive line. Like You are looking at defenses where if the offense plays like it did in this game, Justin Fields is screwed.
1: Well, it's not looking good right now. And, um, look, I I think the entire Bears offense is – I think Andy Dalton would run their offense a little bit better at the moment. You take that for what it's worth. Bears fans or anybody – Andy Dalton would run this offense a little bit better.
0: Right. They would still
1: be one of the worst offenses in the (laughs) league.
0: Which isn't, yeah, which isn't to say that he should be starting unless you're of the opinion that... That's not what I'm saying, right. Which, but unless you're of the opinion that the snaps that Justin Fields plays in these situations are damaging him, which some of them I think certainly are. Like, the problem is, though, you've made the move. So now you're in this spot that I said all the way along... You did. That you're now in a spot where you might need to take him out of games because it's going to go that bad they're in that situation now but you can't do that because you've already dithered around so much with the Dalton Fields thing in the first place
1: Um, I I want to admit sometimes we completely separate things like well he's accurate but he's not good at this this and this Fields accuracy has been poor right now but I think accuracy is tied to confidence it's tied to footwork it's tied to um
0: running it's just a
1: different world right he's Fields is playing a completely different game of football than he did last year where he sat in a pocket for three and a half seconds at ohio state yeah. and had two receivers who were probably going in the first round Waited for them to get open and then threw it to them now that's not to say he can't work fast that's what the offense called him to do he sees the throw he throws it accurately he is not doing that at all right now in part because the offensive line it's the nfl things have to move fast everything's different right he's playing a completely different position basically this year and it, it's going to take some time so the question is are these reps bad reps or are they good reps? Because you just you, everything's got to move slower for you at some point. I mean, and you I, hope you see it enough that it gets better.
0: I think you've made your bed in terms of you can't you can't bench him again for a game. Like you can't say this is a tough opposition. I'm going to start Andy Dalton this week. You have to say I've, we've made the call. Justin Fields right, suit up. You're going out there because nobody takes that ridiculous idea that you have. But I do think that you should be prepared to save Justin Fields from himself in some of these games. Like, to me, there's no way Justin Fields should have been playing late in that game. He was just getting beat down. There was nothing to be gained. Like, I I do not think that the reps he got late in that game were in any way beneficial. And if you have to, like, activate Nick Foles so you're not putting in Annie Dalton to create the controversy, do that. Do whatever it takes and be prepared to, like, throw Nick Foles out there to get himself killed in the fourth quarter. But
1: how is Nick Foles some sort of, like... Way worse than Andy Dalton. I'm not saying he is. I'm just
0: saying if you put in Andy Dalton, the problem with this whole situation is you've now created this this drama that if you put Andy Dalton back out there ever, it's like, uh uh-oh, look what he's doing with it. Just at least if you have Foles there, you can say, we just wanted to protect Justin. You know? There's no no QB controversy. He's still QB1. We just threw out Nick Foles because we don't care if he gets battered late in the game. He's our QB3, you know? that's how it is I I, whatever you need to do just have some figure something out so that you can pull Justin Fields from the end of the game and not have him die
1: I I honestly don't know that Matt Nagy has been bad as a I I don't think he's been bad as a Bears head coach I'm just wondering at this point if they just want to change everything at the end of the year I mean yeah so so we'll see we'll see what happens uh, so Bucks win thirty eight to three. We got one more game Sunday night football. You still have a game. Yeah, yeah. It was the the Colts and Niners? This could be quick too because the river was raining.
0: The, the atmospheric river. river was the raining.
1: atmospheric river torched this game. Atmospheric river won.
0: It's it's this fascinating game. How to me many that
1: fumbles were in those were in this game.
0: You as a nation um, seem to have created all these new weather descriptions. Like in Ireland, and let's face it, we know a thing or two about rain. Yeah, you do. All you need to know is is it lashing or not. Is it, is it? You know, it's raining. Okay, but how bad? Right? Lashing rain. Lashing rain. Oh. I don't need to know if there's an atmospheric rev, river that's like funneling water over. Like it's, it's raining. Okay, how bad is it raining? The just need something to do. In this game, the answer was it was raining very badly. Cats it, and dogs. It even. was lashing rain. Lashing rain. Lashing rain. Cats and dogs. Pissing rain. Whatever you want to term it, that's what it was doing in this game. There were only seven fumbles. It felt like 100. <laughs> seven official
1: fumbles in this football game. Bunch of drops, dropped interceptions. Carson Wentz, is, he's got all the interception records, the lack of interception records.
0: I love that they had to take one away from him in this game for that record to still exist. It's like Carson Wentz was the, uh, the, had the longest run of any quarterback in the NFL between throwing interceptions. And then he threw an interception. And they're like, oh, okay, that record's gone. I mentioned um, this
1: to you before. And there then
0: was... later in the game, it's like, by the way, we've taken the interception away from it. It's now a fumble. So the record stands again. <laughs>
1: it's brilliant. And NBC had no problem putting the graphic. Oh, he hasn't thrown an interception right. in 170. <laughs> he just hit the Niners in the hands like eight times in this game.
0: Midway through the game, I tweeted that like uh, – you know, Carson Wentz had the best grade of his career, has a highest PFF grade since that 2017 season. The Frank Reich reclamation project's been going pretty well. I think genuinely the very next play, he hit a defender in the hands of the ball yeah. and then had like five turnover-worthy plays in about four and a half minutes of game time. You're like, this is insane. Now, I, I, it, the weather was the factor there, right? Sure, yes.
1: So all, all I'm joking about, I'm not blaming Wentz. I mean, he didn't grade well because he did fumble and whatever that,
0: that weather got bad enough where i genuinely think you could have constructed an argument to say you were better off not having the ball than having the ball like punt it yes it like if, if that you, long snap and catch by my punter though was that's scary. the thing if you could have guaranteed me a safe long snap and punter handle i would have said punt the ball away at first down and play defense for like a good portion of that game yeah It was it was bad.
1: The conditions absolutely affected things, both quarterbacks, uh passes all over the place, drops like crazy. Uh it was just tough to do anything. So, you know, credit the Colts for just coming out on top. I think both teams tried to run the ball, they created some big plays on the ground. Jonathan Taylor had another nice game. It's it's not always easy to see, but now Michael Pittman, I mean it's easy to see this, four catches for one oh five including a fifty seven yarder early in the game and then the, the touchdown late. Michael Pittman becoming a legitimate playmaker for the Colts. And my all-off season, I was kind of railing against the Colts. Not enough playmakers, not enough playmakers. I tried to throw the hedge in there unless Michael Pittman takes a big step forward or whoever. Pittman's starting to do that, which is nice. Uh, I, th- I think they, they might need more. But this is as far as like the 3-4 and four Colts, who are so close to 4-3 and three in that Ravens overtime loss. Boding well for the future the way Michael Pittman has emerged
0: yeah um, and as much as Wentz had that stretch where he j- tried to turn the ball over like a million times in a couple of minutes he kind of gathered himself and got back on track late in the game had a really nice play that that Naheem Hines dropped down yeah, the sideline it wouldn't have been a touchdown. There was a safety coming over the top, or at least he would have had to be the safety for it to be a touchdown. But that should have been a big play and a key situation. Had the late pass to Michael Pittman, which was, you know, something of a jump ball, but it was a, a well-placed pass as well. He played pretty well late in that game. And then the Colts' defense, like, as much as we keep looking at this group and being like, why are they good? Like, where's the, there isn't that much talent on this defense. They kept showing up in – Well, in, they're
1: not good this year.
0: No, but they have games like this where they do show up and force a ton of fumbles. and When
1: there's a bomb cyclone, river rain, tornado thing they happening. They still have to go
0: out there and, like, punch the ball out. It's not like it was just falling out of people's hands. You
1: just needed to tap the ball and that thing was coming out for Look, fumbles.
0: The fr- friend slash enemy of the show. Um, oh, yeah, Darius Leonard was Darius Leonard happened. was going out there bashing the ball out at every possible opportunity. Bobby Okereke, apparently. Okereke. Yeah, Even been... though on the... Intros, which are recorded in the preseason, he says Okariki.
1: Yeah, so Okariki is now going by Okarike. I was confused for a while. I don't like when I mispronounce names. Well, I, don't... I certainly don't like it when he himself pronounces it differently. And so he confused me. Yes. But then uh, the boss got it right. Chris said in uh, Al, they said he likes to go by Okarike now. Nigerian roots, was it that they were saying? I um, think
0: something, so. Something about his. He just wanted to change the pronunciation. It's like grandparents. So it was how it was supposed to be pronounced. Yeah. Uh, and then his parents or something came over and just went by Okariki on the basis that it was easier. Um, so he's gone and changed it, and uh, we'll change with him. Yeah. Um, but he played well. Leonard played well. Kenny Moore ends up with a pretty crappy grade and had a couple of plays where he was unfortunately uh, not, in, not great. But he also had a ton of plays where he was, like, in and around the ball making um, – impactful hits like I felt sorry for him because the first drive he made like a couple of really big hits like sort of tone setting physicality the kind of stuff that Antoine Winfield used to do early in a game where you would try and run like a sweep to his side and he would just bury the guy and all of a sudden the defense is kind of jacked up you know your cornerback is delivering that kind of hit Kenny Moore made like two of those plays and then got smushed by a tight end on a big run and of course that's the play that they like highlight Ah, Kenny Moore here gets a little bit uh, by the tight end. You're like, come on, the dude just like he's like two and one, and the one the (laughs) one you draw up is the one where he got beat. Poor Kenny.
1: Uh, We've talked about a lot of teams being just depleted in certain areas. That's that's San Francisco in the secondary or at cornerback specifically. They bring Dre Kirkpatrick's the one who got beaten on that jump ball to Michael Pittman. You can't even call it a jump ball because Dre did not jump.
0: Well, you can still call it a. jump ball. It was a ball. jump
1: ball in which the defender didn't jump, and yeah. so the result was somewhat predictable. <laughs> uh, Dre lost. Yes. So Michael Payment goes up. So that was of the you know he caught he had two targets on two coverage snaps. That's Dre. not great. One was a twenty-eight yard touchdown. Yeah. But that's just you know, uh, Emmanuel Mosley got hurt. Josh Norman out there. They have had to stitch together the outside cornerback room as much as possible this year. It's, it's been a little rough for the Forty ers uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo narrative is not uh, is not strong right now. He's having a he's having a difficult season, and this didn't help at all. I, I mean, the last interception just straight slipped right out of his hand. It was horrible. Yeah, um, they played in this rain last year too. I think uh, Washington was it. Was it this year or two years ago, they, the Niners have played in some crazy rain games, mostly on the road.
0: It's tough because you almost have to be like, "This is like this was so bad in terms of rain that you have to throw out anything from this game. Proper throw it out game, as we love.
1: It's a good throw it out game, but, but even if you do throw this out. Um, you still might be throwing out Jimmy G's season in general. That's because, the problem. Is it? A, it's yeah. a
0: throwaway game, but it fits perfectly with everything else he's done this year.
1: <laughs> I forget the exact quote. I'm sorry if I misquote you, Kyle Shanahan. But when asked if Jimmy Garoppolo was going to start next week, it was something to the effect of, "I suppose so." Hmm. Um, so uh,
0: endorsement.
1: We're not sure if Trey Lance's knee will be ready to start next week, but I believe Kyle is ready to see uh, the number three overall pick, Trey Lance, play some football when he's ready.
0: I mean, they're reaching the point where what's the downside, you know? Like, it's one thing when you. It's one thing if you do have playoff aspirations and you think you're going to be a good team and blah, blah. But at some point, you reach a stage in the season where you're like, you know, that's probably not happening this year, so let's throw the rookie out there.
1: I I, I don't know if Trey Lance is ready for next week. I would love to see it, though, because they're playing the Bears, who we just mentioned a little while ago. It would be Trey Lance versus Justin Fields, potentially.
0: And unlike the Justin Fields situation, I don't think that there is a danger of being of a damaging set of reps for Trey Lance like we might get
1: Andy Dalton versus Jimmy G though wow no we won't
0: but. I don't think Trey Lance Trey Lance hasn't looked tremendously ready on the other hand I don't think there's a there's the same downside to putting him out there that there is with Fields
1: yeah I think so it's a good point right I think Fields lack of ready is pressure uh, getting rid of things quickly and the whole deal uh, plus an offensive line that's killing them or pass blocking that's killing him in general whereas with lance it's like man he needs a little touch
0: yeah he'll be protected uh, better by the don't offense. throw to
1: linebackers as much <laughs>
0: you know that type of thing but he'll be protected by that offense a lot better than he will is being protected. he will be uh anyway
1: the colts moved to three and four uh perhaps back back in the mix here players again in the afc where everybody that could Everybody's have been good is three and four and they're all in the mix sound good sure that's a great show again Appreciate everybody for tuning in live on YouTube. We're here on Monday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern. Hit that thumbs up so we can just go viral here. Tell all your friends. It's all about the PFF NFL Podcast. And tell your friends that they can get 25% off too. Tell them. Text them. Tweet them. PFF NFL Podcast. Our special promo code is NFLpod. NFL P-O-D. You get 25% off any PFF subscription. There's no better time than right now, except other times of the year are great too. But right now is the best time to go in. Mm Mm-hmm. You always mock my uh, my sales pitches. I have
0: not said a word.
1: Special thanks to uh, sponsors of the show too: DraftKings and Manscaped, and of course PFF, NFL Pod. Twenty five percent off. Use that promo code. All right, guys, we'll be back on Wednesday, breaking down maybe Monday Night Football and uh, the other big stories around the NFL. See you Wednesday.